Hello and welcome to the very first Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch episode, our brand new listener response Q&A general gaming discussion show uh, that we have that goes out on the public feed. Uh, so everybody's hearing this. We really want to thank everybody for uh, for listening. Thanks everybody for your support. If you want to get this these episodes and all of our uh, public feed episodes a week early. And if you want to get those full premium episodes of watch out for fireballs, the way to do so is by patronizing us at patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Thank you. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to the first ever Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch. Yes. Our, <laughs> our, our, our new experiment in... Dateline! Our offices! <laughs> yes. Uh, our... underwear clad. We are sitting down on a sunny day. I mean, I'm sitting down on a sunny day. You're sitting down in a winter hellscape. Yeah, but... yeah. But, but I mean, are, so are we going to talk with these... Are we going to talk with those voices the entire time? No! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when is it going to be my turn, Kent? Where are the Riddlers? <laughs> um, we oh. Levi. I went over to Levi's house, and he cooked some food on an object called the Griddler. <laughs> and we were talking about the Griddler, the the Riddler, the Quizzler, all like creating the extraordinary League of Lures. <laughs> and it was just like, I'd like to make some pancakes, but I'd rather ask a question of Batman. <laughs> You guys are both idiots. I have a quiz for you. You know, just hanging out, uh, being the Riddler, the Quizzler, and the Griddler. How, how is the Griddler different than than a panini press? Uh, you know, that's. I bet you Levi would like light up oh, if okay. you if you ask that question because he was very disappointed with the Griddler. Okay. Um, and he's just like, I've always been using a panini press, but this thing says it has Griddler Griddler functions. <laughs> the name of it implies Griddler functionality. <laughs> and uh, and he was just like, I'm going back to my panini press. Oh. So the idea behind the Griddler, uh, this is a this is now Griddler cast. Yep. <laughs> is that the Griddler could also like do like pancakes and shit. Okay, like if you left it open, yeah, yeah, like you you, you leave it open, it turns into a griddle, yeah, and yeah. you close it, it turns into a panini press, and if you leave it alone long enough, it asks, it dresses up in a suit with a bunch of <laughs> little fry pans on it and asks Batman <laughs> to catch him. <laughs> it, it, it tells you it tells you how to get government money that's coming to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, I uh, when 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 I when I got this house, I had to buy a stove for it, and I got one with a big griddle in the middle of it. Mm, got uh, a, yeah, griddle in the middle, and it got much bait. <laughs> um and aside from how much of a pain it is to clean um it is actually very good oh yeah griddle nothing wrong with a griddle no no not at all yeah so these dispatch episodes uh if you are just tuning in and didn't listen to us kind of describe them on the big patreon announcements at the beginning of the year uh this is the refactor of what used to be our listener response episodes we wanted to put in a little bit more a little bit more oomph behind them right so Mm -hmm. we've got q a from patreon we've got a kind of free form longer form discussion of a bigger topic 
again suggested by somebody um uh for, for from Patre- patreon um mm-hmm. and then we have the listener responses to river city ransom owlboy and final fantasy 10 yeah yeah so uh yeah this will be a little bit more substantial if you usually skip the responses episode mm-hmm. try this one try it and then decide if you'd like to skip it mm-hmm. um and stick and shot. stick around for us to announce what's going to happen in march yeah don't you want to know about that yeah i think you do um <laughs> so but you have to stay until the end because we're extortionist batman <laughs> um the uh so yeah, so and it also if you want to ask these questions, if you want to suggest these prompts and stuff, the way you do that is by being a patron. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, again that's uh, patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Yeah. And let's get started. We have a list of questions here. We may not get to all of them that everyone has asked, but we'll get to them eventually in yes. future months. We're mm-hmm. just gonna kind of pick and choose here. Yeah. Um and let's I'm gonna I'll start us off. Okay. Um with something that I feel like is kind of easy. And okay. we'll start us with softball here. Yeah. Um, and talk a little bit. So Stephen asked us to talk a little bit about old uh, boxes that systems came in. Ooh, I have uh, that one too. Yeah. Like, are they good? Did they change? Are they different now? Is that good, bad, et cetera? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were good. They were extremely good. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing that reminded me of that was getting the NES Mini and the SNES Mini. Yeah, yeah, uh, same. Like, I love the the way they call, recall those. And I think the big difference behind them, so, like, there is a difference there, and they are different, and this is very obvious, but it's just that, like, the industry is now all, you know, uh, Sony and Microsoft are all, like, you know, these are not for kids. Mm-hmm. These are serious computers you're buying, and they come in a black, scary box. Yep. <laughs> with a lot of, like, weird future fonts and neon waves. Yep, um, a, and... a lot of little diagrams about about what, go, uh, what goes and went where. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo turned into like fucking Ikea about this stuff. Yes. And they're just like, how can we make the most complicated cardboard box in the universe <laughs> from like the Wii onward? <laughs> like the Wii is just like, let's make a reusable box. Like we want a box that you won't throw out when you move. Uh-huh. And that you will eventually give to your kids. <laughs> right. Like, that is how we're going to make our boxes. But they're not going to be colorful and fun and no. like full of a weird poster yeah. That just has Rob the Robot like screaming Nintendo screens at you and stuff. <laughs> it's it's not going to be plastered all over with screenshots of like what they think are going to be system seller games. Yes. Yeah. Which was was a big part of how those were fun. Yeah. Um there's inter- it was interesting too, like in, in preparation for this, I was like looking through some some boxes. Mm-hmm. Um old boxes. Not ones I had, because I, I don't keep boxes in general now, yeah, but yeah. keeping uh old ones. And I love the um OG Game Boy box. The OG the OG Game Boy box is great. The graphic design on that with like yeah. the crazy hologram man. It's yeah, it's a little bit like more um it's like so it's not quite as like playful and colorful as Nintendo, and I think it's very smart because they couldn't the system was not playful and colorful. Right. So they went with that little bit of um like kind of virtual reality theming mm-hmm. with it. Uh, and it's just a very beautiful box. Yeah. Um, I, box. I loved the box that my original PlayStation came in. Mm. Um, like, like that also, I mean, it was a little bit edging into like, this is a serious computer kind of thing, but it's, it, it also had that, well, this needs to look at home in a, <laughs> this needs to look at home in a house that also has a bunch of game pros in it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so yeah, the, the, the graphic design on those is really good. And it makes me understand, like, I just don't, have a lifestyle to to collect inbox games and inbox systems and stuff like that but i do mm-hmm. appreciate it yeah um like i would like that at some point yeah um and a, a fun thing for uh console kids like that's the thing i have the most nostalgia for but when you go to these conventions i love looking at there's always the one booth that's old pcs and like looking mm-hmm. at an old like vic 20 box or commodore 64 box like those yeah. things are amazing because it, it's 
just the you know the great beige plastic and then some guy with a really good mustache like you know <laughs> playing the playing a game or putting in a disc and smiling at you yeah. shit like that that's very fun and good i, I love it <laughs> super super good so yeah, yeah thank you steven yeah um i'm going to follow that up with one that is pretty uh topical to me given that we just had this huge winter storm here um mm-hmm. uh Bread says what would the ideal conditions be for a cozy gaming session examples that give a general idea a certain drink or snack raining or dark outside specific season sitting on the couch or playing on a handheld in the bed maybe a cat or other pet close by thanks thank you necrobrode yeah um yeah you you described a lot of it um for me like my uh my association for this is strongest with like winter break Mm -hmm. uh in school that was like you know when i rub my hands together and be like time to game <laughs> and then when i had my job i had before i moved to portland i worked for a university that also closed down for two weeks oh yeah during uh and then the next job when i moved to portland my eventual job was at a university which also closed down for two weeks mm-hmm. in the winter for winter break so winter break in one way or another has been part of my life for longer than than everyone yeah and uh yeah so sometimes you know i'd have to work during that time but not always and i would just you know okay now it is time to like sit and for me it is like sitting in a living room um, on a couch or on the floor in front of a couch, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a weird thing that I like to do with a throw blanket over my lap and uh, a cup of coffee. And yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the key component um, for me is the absence of anything, any kind of hard out that will pull me away. So like, mm. I, it, like it cannot be a cozy gaming session if it is one o'clock and I have to be somewhere at six. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, even if, like, it, yeah, even though it's a huge amount of time, it's just yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's very rare that I will play that, that I'll play video games for five hours, but the, the, the sense of an impending commitment kind of, uh, kind of, uh, swipe, swipes that for me a little bit. Me too. Or even yeah. impending sleep. Like for me, yeah. the cozy gaming session happens in the afternoon, even though I do the lion's share of my gaming mm-hmm. in the evening or late at night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if I, you know, a lot of times I won't actually start kind of like doing my gaming mm-hmm. uh, for the day until like midnight because yeah. I was just doing other stuff during the day um, or, uh, you know, just doing work, other kinds of work, like non-playing video game work. Yeah. And that's never cozy because I'm like, I need to go to bed in like two hours. Yes. Um, but to be cozy, I mean, I agree with you. Like no yeah. out. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the least cozy gaming session is it is 1030 and I think I'm within spitting distance of the end of this game. Um, oh, that's extremely cozy. <laughs> or no, yeah. no, that 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 is the least cozy because yeah, no, I said I said uncozy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, be, because like, uh, who knows? I could be wrong, and it, you know, I might not go to sleep until one thirty. But fuck, if I'm going to leave the last chapter of this as an orphan and pick it up later on, mm-hmm. no, it's not but a. What's that? that guy got really fucked by that by uh, Metal Gear Solid Two in the forty five <laughs> minutes of ending right. for that, and that was also you can pause and I had to piss. Mm-hmm. That was as uncozy as I've been. Yeah, um, I had uh, this last week. I was uh, going to go to San Francisco um, and visit and do some podcast stuff, and I could not because my cat got sick, mm-hmm. um, which was a bummer. But the nice thing was we had cleared the time, so I kind of had a winter break mm. a little bit. I had to just keep an eye on my boy, and I was worried about him. But I had two days where I could like not have that deadline. Yeah. Cause I had like pre-cleared it and it was pretty glorious. Yeah. yeah. Actually like it, it felt really good. And I think what I'm going to do in the future is try to set aside that, mm-hmm. 
you know, like one of the, the, you know, a goal for 2019 for me in general, and it's part of, you know, the Patreon relaunch, my kind of input that came from this perspective of like 2019 being the year where I cultivate and kind of uh, improve and work on existing projects rather than start new stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of those things I think is working um, like some downtime into my schedule. Yeah. For Duck Feed, um, even down to, you know, like a day a week, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just in general that I protect. Um, and maybe a couple days in a row in the winter yeah, and try yeah. to give myself back that winter break feeling. Yeah. That's, so, that's reasonable. Yeah. I think, it, I think it will be, uh, be very fun. So yeah, for me, it's all about time. The, 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 the coziness factor, like the coziest, <laughs> like, like, like as an adult, I really enjoy waking up early to play games for fun. Yeah. You know, yeah, like that's, uh, that's tons of cos. Yeah. I don't, I don't do, I don't do assignment play before 10, 10 AM. So yeah, no, um, gonna, I'm going to move us into something a little bit more meaty. Okay. Uh, mostly because I just have a good answer for it, so I can go first. Okay. Um, if you guys had the time and money and skills and could be the lead designer, uh, what type of game would you design? Either a sequel or a new IP. What mechanics would you borrow from other games? This is from Nick Gumo. Hmm. Um, and like I said, I have a question. I have an answer, so I can go first if you'd like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also I can defer. Uh, I, I, you, you sound really excited, so I don't want to stop you. Uh, I have been wanting for years. I have been so. First of all, like I had this idea, and then it came out in the terms of Thief Simulator. Oh, so that was what I wanted, and then the game came out. Right, because I and it's not perfect. Like there are things I would do differently in that game, uh -huh. but it came out, and it's it's still one of my favorite games of last year, like by quite a bit. Like it's like in my top five. I think. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, but I want the uh totally like very very open um D and D immersive sim. No, yeah. I want. Uh, an immersive sim. So it's a series of cities, like think dishonor levels. Mm -hmm. So not like Skyrim. Um, you know, some of those could be wilderness or caves or whatever and have, uh, the same approach to problem solving that, you know, a, a dishonored or deus ex has, um, but have it be suited to classes. So when you start, you do a full D and D creation care, you know, character creation session. Yeah. And then you take that character through that world. Um, and you can, you know, if you're a thief, like you're, doing dishonored shit and you're climbing up in rafters and, and hiding and stuff. And if you're a mage, you have all these spells that do uh, various ways to get around things. And if you're a fighter, you can be head on, but you could also like intimidate people and uh, do things like that. Um, and just have it be uh, like D and D licensed. Like I don't want a specific new setting, like a forgotten realms immersive sim. Yeah. Yeah. Is what I want. That sounds really good. So I, I like that because my question was going to be, you know, a huge part of D and D is working in a party, right? Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it sounds like you want like a like like a first person quest for glory game. Yeah, pretty pretty. That's another way to put it. Like yeah, D and D because yeah. I know I like that iconography and I'd want mm -hmm. magic and such to work the same way. But um, and I, maybe you have maybe it is like takes that, that page from Never Winter Night Never Winter Nights where you can have a companion. Yeah, yeah. With you, but I wouldn't want it to be online play. Because one mm. that breaks down, that'd be so complicated. Yeah. If you had all these problems that had to be answerable to a mixed party, mm -hmm. you know, like that. And two, just like online play ruins everything. And, you know, like <laughs> right. one co op buddy is good, but once you just introduce, then it becomes Fallout 76 and it's garbage. Yes. So, like, the, uh, I would not want to, like, have a party of people I met online. Right. It's not that aspect of DD. It's more like it borrows the verb set and feel of DD. Mm hmm more than the actual experience yeah yeah um yeah. like mine like the, the the nascent idea that i had in my head obviously to be horror i would want it to be system systems based system based and investigation based um mm -hmm. and it turns out that call of cthulhu 
uh, kind of matches <laughs> what I had in my mm-hmm. head for like what I would like to lead. Um, either that or something like, you know, that's coming out like the sunken city looks like something I would love to, uh, um, to, 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 to get on board with, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, like, just, just something along those lines. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. And like Call of Cthulhu is a great like touch point because that game has, it's, I like that game, but it has a lot of mixed, poten- uh, missed potential. Mm-hmm. And adding more investigation to that. Because yeah. the way that investigation works in that game is much closer to an adventure game. Yeah, yeah. Like, at some points, it's like a walking sim. It's kind of like Telltale's Call of Cthulhu in, in some ways. Yeah. You know, which, fucking sign me up, kind of. <laughs> like, that, like, I said those words out loud. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, adding a little bit more rigorous investigation, even just to, like, an L.A. noir level yeah. to it um, would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, I love, I love detective shit. <laughs> yeah you know detective detective mixed with horror is kind of like where those things meet mm -hmm. like that there there lies call of cthulhu Mm -hmm. you know there's not uh, a whole lot of like let's get sherlock home in the case of the the you know the the missing vampires like kind of stuff like there's not a lot of horror elements that get i mean there's some of that Mm -hmm. you know but there's for the most part that way cthulhu lies i think that would be really cool yes that's a a great idea and i would play that game yeah um good good question uh, let's yeah. see here. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, I like this one just because of the reference. Christopher asks, uh, do you fellas have any video game versions of Homer Simpson's 10 foot long moldy sandwich as in games, you know, you should just leave alone, but can't stop yourselves from playing Ah, uh, monster hunter. How could I stay mad at you old friend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is Chris's uh, monster hunter aside. Yes. <laughs> um so like i had to th- this is just a venue for me to explain something really goofy so mm-hmm. over the like last year um zach gage released a game called flip-flop solitaire um okay. on um ios and that was incredibly good it's like a it's a great variation on klondike klondike solitaire um mm-hmm. and i played that and i was like this is good but my specific itch is for just like regular solitaire so i went onto the app store and i downloaded just the most basic ass like ad supported i think it was literally made by zynga solitaire game cool. <laughs> and, I, and i just played it on my ipad compulsively like while i was going to bed or just in between things like i'm just going to play solitaire um and the and the thing that made me uninstall it from my device and horror was i got an achievement for 24 hours played oh yeah that's too much solitaire my friend <laughs> i know i think that's how much solitaire i played my entire life <laughs> like i don't i don't hate solitaire or anything no it's fine but it's... i just it's a real like there's nothing else on this computer <laughs> kind of thing is what I associate it with. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know if I just wanted something to do with my hands while I thought about other stuff. But, yeah, that was a real uh, that that was a real. Ooh, this sandwich is purple now. Kind of kind yeah. of moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have a good one because I don't I don't want to quit the like things like. Yeah. The closest thing to that is Isaac, which is like a real like just default. You know, I, I want to. Spend 45 minutes like laying in bed, cuddling with pocket and I want to do something. Mm-hmm. So I'll play some, you know, I'll play some Isaac, just throw, throw on a run, but it's getting close to until they release the next big content patch. I need, yeah. might need to put it down just because it's like, I'm running out of new things to see in it. Mm-hmm. Like it's extremely fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still love it. I still think it's, it's, it's still one of my favorite games of all time, but it is something that I do have a little bit of that. Like this is an old sandwich Yeah, feeling yeah. just because I, and I have a little bit of that feeling like, I could be playing something new and getting some new experiences uh, and I'm not, or doing some work mm-hmm. and, and I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely uh, 
have a little bit of that, mm-hmm. that feeling. Um, for a little while, uh, and it's not so much now, um, but for a little while, um, the Magic the Microprose Magic the Gathering Chandelier game was like that for me too. Oh yeah, yeah. where because it's it's very run based. It's actually like it's not a roguelike or anything, but it does you do just sit down and do a run. That's mm-hmm. a self contained character. Yeah. You know, it's like longer than that, but it is that's kind of how it feels. Um, and it was like super janky, and it was just me playing in very familiar waters. Yeah, I love that game. Um, you know, if I felt good about making you learn how to play magic, like I would love to do it for WAF because it's a good, like it's a good video game. We've like, talked about this before. I'd be down for it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it just would take, it doesn't onboard you very much. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just, but it would, it's a cool game. Um, and, uh, the fan support on it's amazing. Like I had a big burst of that when I found the patch where people had patched in like sets as recent as like 2007. Oh God. Into it. And then, <laughs> uh, but then I fell off it again. Yeah. And now I play actual magic in arena, which thank you fucking Brian Wade for ruining my life and making me spend actual dollars on a fucking virtual, <laughs> on virtual cards. Piece of shit. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> the, 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 the biggest trick, uh, good, the devil ever played. Yeah, but Brian Wade ever played. Do you know that that, 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 that that guy still has the gall to have his Twitter bio be certified sweetheart, according to Gary Butterfield? Yeah. And now? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm happier on board. Like, he, like getting you into magic is not necessarily as bad as catfishing you with a Star War, but... No, no, no. no. It's, um, he, he is a sweetheart, though. If... Yeah, you know, yeah, Brian, Brian's good. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I would like to meet him someday. He's supposed to come out to PRG, and he's never done it. No. And like to be fair, I've never come to, like, just come to him, but... yeah. yeah. I think it would be, uh, you know, I think it'd be cool mm-hmm. if uh, to meet him at some point. The, the 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 time when I hung out with him when he came to Cincinnati was very good. Yeah, I can uh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's a question that can be probably pretty quick. Uh, Matthew Penner asks, uh, I've heard you guys talk about tabletop RPGs for a decent amount, but you play board games. Uh, if you haven't, Mad, Mad, Mountains of Mansions of Madness Second Edition is the best Lovecraft game out there. Secondly, there are a ton of board game adaptations of video games of various levels of discuss, uh, success. Could be great topics for adaptation decay. We agree. Um, the main, yeah, we agree. The main reason why I wanted to grab that is because I really want to do um, some adaptation decays mm-hmm. on board games. Um, I will would be willing to after I have played it to uh, mail my uh, copy of Four Souls over to you if you can get some people to play it because I'd love to do an adaptation decay on that. Four Souls. Have, what's uh, that based on? That's the uh, Binding of Isaac. I got you. Okay. Uh, hard game. He kickstarted for like a ridiculous amount of money this year. Oh. Um, but I would love to do that and have Will on. Nice. Uh, and do like a crossover. Um, yeah, I'm I'm way into that second bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just now the board game design has just become like back in the day, a board game based on a video game was going to be some derivation of shoots and ladders or some bullshit. Like it <laughs> right. was always going to be that. Like mm-hmm. I have a, the Skeleton Warriors board game. And it's really, really bad. Like you move around trying to get these crystals. And when you get into a fight, when the characters are in the same place, you uh, the mechanics of the fight are you both roll a dice and see which one is higher. Oh, God. And if you have a crystal, you add plus one to your thing. Cool. And that's literally the that's like the, the, the depth of the mechanics. Yeah. We're way beyond that now. So like mm-hmm. even, you know, um, like there's a like a follow game that came out. There's an XCOM game that's pretty much one to one to the computer game. There's a portal game. And mm-hmm. I have no doubt those are all at least a little bit interesting. Mm hmm. Um, just because board game design has just become very advanced. Yeah, the XCOM game is really, really good. I played that with um, I played that with Dennis and the other level folks, mm-hmm. um, uh, minus Jala, uh, for geographical reasons. But uh, play played that with them. It's not necessarily one to one. It's actually really interesting because each person takes a different role, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, it's it's co- cooperative. 
um, in a in a really cool way. So it's not like a tabletop strategy game uh, game kind of thing like D and D. It's more mm-hmm. about like I'm the science officer and I will determine how we um, designate these points. I'm the person who handles the uh, kind of the air combat kind of stuff. I'm the person who handles the mm. ground combat. That's interesting. Yeah, I I had heard like that it was a lot closer. That like the actual combat is is doing a lot of the same kind of like die rolls and checks that you do in the actual game there may be two different XCOM games that's what i'm thinking because yeah. the one i heard doesn't sound like what you described yeah yeah the, like the one that is app governed like the one the one where yeah. you said like pick the difficulty level in the app is uh that's the one that i've done i don't know that gotcha I've, yeah it's neat that they can take those different approaches mm-hmm. to it too yeah um yeah we got we gotta do XCOM for the show at some point oh absolutely i'm i'm like horny for XCOM. <laughs> uh triple XCOM. yeah the, yeah uh, yeah um, so yeah, so I, uh, I like board games mm-hmm. too. Um, we have our game night where we mostly play tabletop games. We have game brunch once a month, um, where we play board games and sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and board games, living card games, that kind of thing. Um, we're currently playing descent, which I think is bad. And I decided that last time we played, <laughs> I was had a creeping <laughs> feeling of unsatisfaction through it. And last session was the one where I decided mm-hmm. this is a bad game. Oh, um, we're going to give it one more shot. Yeah, but I think it is. Uh, it has a lot of design flaws um, that maybe I will uh, grab one of those dudes and do a Duckfeed presents on just so I don't lay it all out here. But yeah, yeah, um, it is a bad game. But the the flip side of current good board games that I like is me and Levi started playing the um, Call of Cthulhu Living Card game. Oh, um, and I was surprised by how very fun that is. It is cooperative. It's like tense. Has varied goals. Um, it has a really great, like the flavor is really good. Like there's weird ways you can, like, there's one where they you know, the cards are laid out in a three by three grid to map a town mm-hmm. and you could, uh, by seeing which cards connected to which one, I was like, oh, there's a river here. Yeah. And like, it never tells you that it's just like, oh, this would make sense. There's a bridge right here and there's a river here. Yeah. And it just like, it wasn't ever confirmed. It just like, it has a little bit of that, like care and sense put into it. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I I haven't really played an awful lot of board games. Most of my exposure has been through Dennis and mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out with those folks. For the past three years, we've been doing um, Time Stories, mm-hmm. which is a strange kind of thing because the base system is there and uh, like all of the, the different scenarios and their mechanics are contained in these modules of cards um, that, mm-hmm. that, that that are put out. Um, and it is kind of a storytelling game. Um and it has some mechanics like it, like each person has a different character who's got like a different class. What the classes are depends on what the setting is. Um, the modules have been really inconsistent, though. Like the one that comes with it is, again, like a Lovecraftian thing in an insane asylum that is kind of redeemed by the fact that it has an awesome meta puzzle. So um, we we played that one. Oh, yeah. I've, I played Time Stories. That's the only game I played. And I did not like the writing of that one. Okay. Like I thought it was not very good. Like the yeah. meta puzzle thing is is a cool idea. Yeah. Um, it's been a couple of years, mm-hmm. so I don't remember the specific issue we had with it. There was some kind of piece of bad signaling in it, though. I felt. Yeah. Um, and this is me half remembering stuff, but mm-hmm. we. It's interesting. I've seen you post pictures of Time Stories, and Will, who is the one who initially bought Time Stories, really wants to get another shot because mm-hmm. apparently, kind of in in board game circles, that first story is not particularly good hmm. and they get a lot better so steve stay um, away from the one called the prophecy of dragons uh oh. because <laughs> the, the, the prophecy uh what a what a grim portent on the prophecy of dragons <laughs> it is really really bad 
Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, no. I cut you off with that. I just... No, no, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you played it. I don't remember being incredibly impressed by like the like the, like the writing of it. It was like like the thing that left me coming away from that was the that like led to me coming away from a positive was the meta puzzle. Um, yeah, you know, like like that that was particularly inspired. Um, yeah, the writing of it wasn't it wasn't like egregious or anything. I just remember wanting since that's such in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, wanting um a, like a better articulation of that flavor. And I remember uh, very distinctly being a little bit annoyed with the the core kind of looping mechanic of it. Yeah. Like it is set up in a weird way. And then, again, this is half remembered. So you could you can correct me if this is in, if this is wrong, but set up in a way to where like um, you are set up in these kind of increasingly widening loops as you get more and more information yeah. as you restart your kind of time time jumps mm-hmm. um, and having that as a core mechanic of this kind of um, you're not going to be able to succeed until you kind of put in the time. Yeah. Gave it a little bit of that feeling of like a grind to me. Um, Like, Oh, like we can't win this first time. It's just exploratory. Mm -hmm. But then by the end, other than this, like, and I think the reason I'm the bad taste was in my mouth was because of that end, whatever that little bit of bad signaling was, which, you know, the, the unsatisfying thing for people who are big fans of that game or are listening, they're not going to like is that I can't remember what it was, but whatever that was meant that, um, we put in that grinding and what felt like it should have been um, not a gimme, but like a good solid puzzle at the end kind of mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was. Yeah. Yeah. By the end, it's like, oh, we put in all that grinding. Nothing really happened with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was still necessary to get this thing that kind of like miscommunicated to us. Yeah. You know? I, I I know what you're saying that that looping mechanic, like it's kind of the kind of the whole thing about it, but also mm-hmm. I, I don't care for what that does to like, okay, you're playing the game. And once you realize you can't succeed on the first go, you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to cast as wide of a net. And we are talking about like on the next run, which of these things are we going to do while yes. we're, while we're doing it. And it kind of takes you out of the moment in a, in a kind of unsatisfying way. It's weird. Yeah, it's a little bit weirdly, weirdly gamey. Yeah, yeah, you know, in a way that is not, um, you know, just like didn't feel super satisfying to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as bad as a prophecy of dragons is, it is the one module we've played that has a save point mechanic, which oh, is just like, <laughs> which is just like, there, at one point there's a map changeover, and uh, when you come back, you just come back here. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. It is like I love that we have seen. And maybe some of the stuff had happened before, but it does just really feel like we're we're have been seeing this really really creative, you know, uh, kind of explosion in like what you can do in in uh, board games. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, the idea of a board game with a save point mm-hmm. would never happen. Yeah, it's you ridiculous. Know? What are you talking about? Yeah, that 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 is a that is an uh, a unusual that is a, a nonsense phrase, <laughs> and uh, and actually. Uh, it works yeah and it's kind of cool like that's it's really awesome to me no so yeah yeah good good question matthew yeah um let's see here uh Uh, let's do let's do one more of these and then move on to kind of the next segment yeah let's do that um let's see Uh, this will be a segue into the other stuff um do you find it tough to play games that aren't for the show um or do you miss playing games done under a deadline that was asked by taylor taylor goodman Yes. Um, yeah. Thanks, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, sometimes. Uh, but generally, it is for me. It is because um, that is just the nature 
I found of being self-employed where I constantly feel like there's homework I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. And even if I am ahead or caught up, I always feel like, boy, it'd be nice to get a little bit further ahead. Yeah. And uh, I have to really actively fight that. It's like drinking salt um, water. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Like you always put salt in your eyes. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, you know, I, I, I want to drink the salt water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do find it hard, but do manage to get through it. Yeah. Um, for me, just the, the, the idea of playing games on deadlines, it's not that I don't miss it. In fact, I like that pressure because left to mm-hmm. my own devices, I wouldn't finish games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the way that I've found it best to play games for the shows is to like break them out, um, and kind of plan progress. Like I know how many chapters there are going to be in this. And I know that if I am on pace to beat this at the right time, if I'm up to this point by now, like just basically it's just like playing it on a deadline lets me budget it so I can actually give myself enough time to not feel rushed and crushed. I think there's a there there, there there's probably maybe maybe a valid opinion that sometimes we don't like things because we rush through them. I can see that where that would come from, um, but it's just not really the case for me. I don't think it's I don't feel like it's the case for me either. Like yeah. and I, it's funny. You know, I don't want to sound defensive because when people say that, it always feels a little bit like they're um, it's 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 my and again, this is I don't mean to to come off. I don't mind that as feedback. Mm-hmm. It does come off as a little bit dismissive, though, because it, it comes off yeah. a little bit like the only way you could have that opinion that is different than mine is because you had this different experience. Yeah. And it feels like, like what I want to respond to that with, and I've never done it because it would just escalate the situation and it's not my place to do that. Well, and it does people, when they say that they don't mean they're not being hostile, right? You know, there's right. no reason to antagonize them yeah. or anything or specifically call anybody out. And especially not in any medium in which we could do that because like <laughs> right. if it's on Twitter or Facebook, other people could jump in and that's not our goal. No, no, anything. you know, it's not, it's not that important that we want to like, no, get people for this yeah I, you know? I, I i chafe at that because what it what it comes across as is definitionally you cannot talk about this on a podcast it's like a heisenberg thing you cannot talk about this on the podcast because observing it the way that you do makes it so you do not have yes. an accurate impression of it yes yeah it reminds like like there was something about um was talking about it and and like i won't call it the person but we were talking about and this was it was on slack where um you know somebody brought up that idea essentially the, that you can't do that. And uh, the, the way that they framed it, I'm not calling this person out. I just happen to disagree with them about a thing mm-hmm. was that they were saying like, um, you know, a lot of your pacing concerns come from playing on a deadline mm-hmm. and the way they had put it initially. And I don't think this is exact. This is a less nuanced version of their, their take, but mm-hmm. an idea I disagree with, whether it was theirs or not, is the idea that um, if, you know, something, it, it was almost like they were positing that because if you have all the time in the world for something, it cannot be poorly paced. Right. You know, and uh, that's not the case. Like pacing is just a, a way you can make a critical argument about something. Yeah. Um, it has nothing to do with like a deadline, you know, in general. Like I think we've actually been one of the, the ways that um, that feedback uh, also can kind of get a little bit under my nail, like not in a serious way, but is that I think we've been really open about when we are wrapping something up on a deadline. Yeah. Like we we will just say like at the end, we'll be like, yeah, this is near the end and I was done. Mm-hmm. You know, or like, oh, like we, I beat this the, right before it came out. Like we've just said those words on air before. Yeah, yeah. Like we, when we are that pushed, but we've been doing this long enough to where that happens so rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, I have a lot more time to play a game than I end up using. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not that I'm, uh, if I am ever rushing, it's not because it's deadline play. It's be, you know, and I, and I end up thinking, you know, not liking the game very much. Yeah. It's yeah. not because it's deadline play. It's because I want it to be over. <laughs> right. 
you yeah. know, it, it's like, uh, and, and that's, it's not, a you know, just not about the deadline thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you get to something that is incredibly poorly paced, I, I don't know if this is like, if this is the way it is for you, for me, it makes it harder to go back into it. And then that yeah. leads to procrastination and that leads to kind of a resentment of the time that I have to put into it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it or, whereas if, if, I was like, do, if I was doing it for any other reason, I would just not play that game anymore. Exactly. It's not a question like so many things. It's like when people talk, this will actually segue really well into our topic, actually, mm. this episode. But when people talk about um, forcing yourself through a difficult part of a game um, and or like how if you if you watch a YouTube of a game instead of playing it, playing a part because you couldn't get past it, it's like it's somehow cheating. And they posit that as if it is a decision between getting the desired experience, mm-hmm. you know, according to that person or, uh, you know, um, doing this YouTube thing when in fact it's getting that desired experience or getting that YouTube thing or quitting. Yeah. Getting the desired experience according to the person who's making that critique is never on the table. Yeah. You know, or even to the devs, like there are certain games where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and it is not, uh, just doing it is just not an option. Like it's either I watch the thing on YouTube mm-hmm. Or I walk away from this and never play it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a thing. And it even happens in, you know, I get some flack for feeling that way about JRPGs because that genre is the designed way to do that. And even like a lot of times the market, like the reason why Persona games are a billion hours long is because uh, they, they never come out. Mm-hmm. So the fans want them to be very long and they are made for like playing on, you know, a Japanese subway. Yeah. Like in a lot of ways, like it is, it is a, I mean, an acculturated thing to be very long and something you pick at over the course of months. Monster Hunter as well. Monster Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, and that those games are just too fucking long for me. And it has nothing to do with, um, the, uh, uh has nothing to do with, or I remember what I was gonna say, sorry. Um, mm. but it has nothing to do, the fact they're too long doesn't have to do with it being a deadline. It's just like, I just don't, I'm not interested in that experience. No, yeah. but I was going to say like, even outside of that genre, like I'm finding a great many things to enjoy about Pyre. I am very much struggling to sit down and play it. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with being on a deadline. It's just like, I, it's it's not very fun in my hands. Yeah. Like it's just not very fun in my hands. And like what I'm doing is not very fun Mm -hmm. uh, in it. And, uh, and that's no, you know, obviously that's a patron request. I don't mean anything uh, untoward to that person. Um, It's just, and there are a great many things to like about it that I do like, and I may end up turning around on it, Mm -hmm. but as it is, it has nothing to do with it being long or me playing it for the show. It's, just that feeling of like, ugh. yeah, <laughs> you know, if it would be, I would put it down forever instead of picking it up every couple weeks for the year. Yeah. You know, that people would want that to mm-hmm. happen, yeah. you know? So yep. yeah. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to a different category of question. Yeah. Let's move away from games. Do you want to go into shows or life? Uh, let's, let's do a little pop potpourri. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> let's do both. Um, because they're both short categories. Yes. Uh it's your um, turn. I I, I picked okay. the last one. Yeah. Um, let me see. Do 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 do. Uh here's one that I, I just I want to give a shout out and I think is um a good question and I like uh where this goes. Mm-hmm. Um my marvelous year, who is Zach. Um shout out to that blog. That is a very cool blog and I think also a podcast um where they go through Marvel comics and kind of pick what is worth reading from the year of comics oh nice so like you might know that like oh 60s marvel there's cool stuff that happened but what's actually good comics from that yeah um i believe that is the the same same thing i did a little googling and i'm pretty sure it's the same person unless it is a uh an seo nightmare <laughs> um, but i believe that that's the case and um, so yeah. yeah shout out to that um and 
they ask, one genre of game that you never seem to have covered for WoW, uh, though I might be wrong, is the roguelike. Obviously, Gary's a fan of the style of game. Is there a reason you avoid it for the show? A lack of traditional narrative and structure, perhaps. Uh, and uh, no, there's not a reason that we avoid it, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, I think the reason I want to do more of this stuff, I think the reason why it hasn't come up, like avoid is, is really active. I think the reason it hasn't come up is not because of the lack of narrative structure. It's the fact that it is hard to be comprehensive with yes. them in a similar way to like TF2. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just yeah. It, it like it, it is more of a jungle gym, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that that the, 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 that that is accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I want to do more of those things. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, what one of the things you know for WAF is we don't want there to be a type of game that's off limits for it. Right. You know, like you can critically consider any game, regardless of whether you know. We tend to take a book club kind of narrative approach, but you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so I want to do more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just, we haven't done it in the past because a lot of times like to cover, um, you know, Angband or something like that is, you know, people are still fighting or in that hack. Like people are still finding things in that game. Like that is okay. so deep. And there's still interactive so development and a lot of, I mean, yep. in that hack's case, right. Yep. Um, the other and, thing is that you tend to have more experience with these kind of games than I do. Um, and yeah. so there would be a, like it would just like lead to you describing things to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep. So we would have to find one that we both like we're going into kind of blind, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, so we can achieve parity and decide like when we're tapping out, like yeah. what does the end look like, you know, and they're, they're cool games to talk about for that kind of thing. Like it would be fun to do like enter the gungeon or something, but defining when that's over mm -hmm. is difficult as well. So it's not so much the fact that there's not the narrative because there are plenty of interesting things to talk about. Yeah. It's that uh, they just are really weird as far as um, being kind of perpetual case. If you Perpetual were, if you were just kind of looking through our back catalog, I could forgive you for not noticing that noticing that this applies. But one that we have done that falls under a definition of this is Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo's Dungeon. Actually, mm -hmm. Toji um, and Earl. Toji and Earl. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've done a couple of them that are like that, and would like I would like to do more personally. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> the, the, this this one's pretty fun. Uh, Aaron asks. What were some of the alternate titles considered for the various shows before you decided on what you did? How did you come up with some of the names? Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Hmm. I think I think the only good like trivia answer I have for it was that um, the joke name I had for Days of Future cast was Age of Atocalypse. A, a, a talk or talk apocalypse. Um, <laughs> talk uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just a joke. Like I don't think we, that was ever serious. Yeah. Um, monster in my podcast at one point was going to. I, I suggested some kind of monster manual. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. And and monster monster of the week of the day. I think was one of the the joke names for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, watch out for fireballs. That was your suggestion based on the wizard. Uh, that line yep. from the wizard bonfire side chat just kind of came out uh holy formed like athena from zeus's forehead mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um um i think yeah. i think those are the only ones yeah everything else either just kind of like you know everything to guppy will just decided mm -hmm. um on that uh teenage bags we just decided on that like a lot of them just kind of came about yeah yeah so yeah um let me see um if money, space, and time were no object, describe your dream house. What would that be like? Where would it be located? What kind of game rooms and gaming setup would you have? And other cool things would you build into it? This is Greg Polander. Mm -hmm. um, I've got an answer for this if uh, 
if you need me to go first my answer my answer is real boring i would i my, my ideal house would be like the the house that a stephen king protagonist would live in um oh. on, on 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 a lake in a cabin on the side of a mountain um okay, covered with mist <laughs> kind of yeah potentially the the mist potential is a really <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Is, there's a lot of missed opportunities yep. in the uh, yes. house. Yep. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, just like uh, r- r- enough room for a for a, for a modest collection of arcade games would be my mm-hmm. uh, would be what I would want. But it'll just generally like old, like old style kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. I would do a. Uh, I want to look like a mid-century, like kind of uh, 50s Fallouty thing. I like mm-hmm. those aesthetics, um, like with that kind of vintage furniture and the like, with like weird you know, Z bracket bookshelves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would want a room like uh, the room that lazy game reviews has with a bunch of old PCs mm. and computers with like their setup monitors and just a big like game library of running old computer games on original software nice. with sound blasters and the like. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. And then a couple arcade cabinets. I think that like, um, I love arcade cabinets mm-hmm. and such. I just, and there are very few arcade games that keep my attention for a long time. So yeah. it's hard to curate a collection. Mm-hmm. I would want to pick like one or two and just have them uh, in that room as well. Mm-hmm. But it would be very cool to have that. And I would need that to be a windowless basement. Yes. Um, I do not need windows or natural light in that room. <laughs> uh, I'm not making a joke. I would want that to be a, like kind of dank. <laughs> um, but Mo. <laughs> okay, the dank, the dank, the dank. <laughs> I would need that dank. Yes. So, yeah. Yep, obviously one of the arcade games would be a cocktail. Yeah, that would be awesome, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see, was that your question, the chest? Uh, that was mine. That was yours, yeah. Um, let's do uh, two more and then move on to the uh, the subject. Yes, let's do that. Uh, so Michael asks, My kitten just knocked my phone off of the desk and cracked the screen. What is the most damage a pet of yours has ever done to something in the home? Any funny cat stories would also be welcome. Um... I don't know that I've had a cat really destroy anything other than like the worst thing, like knocking a book into the bathtub when I was like reading it. Mm, no, you know that uh, that happens, but that's really that's really it. I think so. Yeah. I've had a couple, um, you know, big uh, kind of like either like source books, like old source books I was reading in the bathtub because that's me, mm-hmm. um, or comics that have fallen into a bathtub and gotten waterlogged. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I, you know, I haven't had a cat for very long. Uh, I haven't really learned that you don't leave like open water bottles laying around. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, she came along and knocked over, <laughs> knocked over a bottle of water on my desk. Fortunately, it didn't like run into the Apollo twin or anything. Uh, that would mm-hmm. be a thousand dollar loss and that sucks. Um, it, it really just kind of got into my keyboard and ruined a couple of my notebooks like they, they're they're dried out now but i you know they're all crinkly i wouldn't want to write in them anymore yeah um, that's a bad feeling yeah yeah uh i thought my keyboard was uh was ruined because it was acting really weird but after a couple of days of just kind of drying out in a towel um it works mm-hmm. fine so that's great it's like an apple wireless keyboard with a numpad on it it's like not not cheap but but yeah yeah it's you know, <laughs> I had a brief moment of annoyance, but then I realized it is my fault. I was the person who didn't consider this, and she is she is an animal. So yeah, she doesn't know. Yeah, probably, <laughs> maybe. We we uh, never know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do uh one just uh just because it's uh, a little bit easy, and then also because people could reasonably want to know is kind of our last question of this round. Mm-hmm. Um, David asks, how long do we see this run of bonfireside chat going? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I don't like that is impossible to say for sure. I don't have any, we don't have any plans to end it or anything. Right. Um, I can see it ending if we run out of stuff to do. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's sort of it. Like, I mm-hmm. think other than that, I think we'll be good, um, for the foreseeable. And we have a lot of content to kind of do on it. Yeah. We've got a big list and like there are bits and bobs being added, um, quite a bit. And also we don't know what Fromm's next moves are beyond, yeah. beyond Sekiro. Right. Yeah. That's all we got. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, no, no projected end. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. No projected end. So it was a good way to, to put that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, for your questions. If your question did not get answered this round, um, it will be in future rounds. Yes. Um, keep asking them. We'll put up new prompts, but we have put these into a document so you don't have to, like, keep track of the old one. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, this was fun. And we're going to do we're going to do more of them. Everyone's questions will be answered. Yes. So just uh, it just might take a little bit of time. We just don't want these episodes to be like, you know, three hours long. Right. Um, and that's not for us. It's not because we don't have the time for it. It's because. Uh, I think it may it would make worse content. Yeah. Um, um let, let's get into uh get into something uh well do we want to do listener responses or do we want to do the uh, big the big one? Let's do the big one. The big one. The big one. Okay. <laughs> so let's So we have a uh, once per uh per time we're gonna have kind of a longer discussion um when somebody asks a question or suggests a prompt that suggests a more nuanced or uh kind of comprehensive conversation. Mm-hmm. And this month, uh Toke uh asked uh this question. Uh, difficulty in games. When is difficulty good or bad? When can it be useful as a game design tool? What are the hardest games you've ever played? Uh, what are examples of good and or bad hard games? And uh, what are examples of good and or bad easy games? Yeah, and yeah. There's a lot there. There, 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 there. There's quite a bit there. Uh, for my for my own purpose, I've kind of like gone and just did a little bit of general research and came up with a couple of bullet points that I just want to, that, that I just want to bring forward in, in the conversation. Um, I tried to find what is the first game with a difficulty selection, but mm. uh, that information, as far as I can tell, does not exist. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. It I'm, feels like that would be way earlier than, um, because it depends on a difficulty selection for the user is one thing, but then also arcade games have yeah. always had that. They've always had the dead switches, right? Yeah. You know, where you can you can kind of change that. So that's probably very old. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, Atari games, you have like the different game you have the game button, right? Yeah. So you could you could switch modes on that as well. I lo- I love how non specific that is. <laughs> that's like that's essentially the Venture Brothers problem button. <laughs> like you just like toggle it to game or or you know, not. <laughs> yes, um, it's it just yeah. game that yes or no, and because it's an Atari, yeah. it is always on yes. It's just glued. You there. selected yes. <laughs> By which you mean no. The correct answer was yes. Uh, <laughs> the uh yeah. Um yeah, so it's always been a big thing as far as like selectable difficulty mm-hmm. uh, goes for sure. Do you have a default? Uh, I, ha- I have like a type five I want to bring to this too, but I want to kind of go through these in turn. Um, do you have a default difficulty mode? Do you have like a, a like does it depend on genre? What do you choose for this yeah. when it is a user selected difficulty? I always go with normal and uh, I have stopped ever being concerned about bumping down to easy. Um, mm-hmm. if, it, if, it, if it's the difference between finishing a game or not. The biggest yeah. example of that um, last year was something like was Prey, actually. Yeah. Yep. The end of Prey uh, is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that game. Mm-hmm. I love that game. Yeah, and it's uh, great. I'm looking forward to covering it at some point. But the ending of it is not, uh, you know, it kind of runs out of tricks. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, again, just for people who are very frustrated by that, like, oh, you could push through and have this feeling of satisfaction I had. That's not on the table. Like the the two things on the table are me never playing this (laughs) or me doing this. Right. You know, me uh, switching to easy or walking away. It's not a question of me switching to easy or having the experience that you had. Yes. You know, and I'm not calling anyone out for that specifically. I just mean for kind of difficulty, get good. Mm hmm in general yeah the only time i ever push difficulty is in rhythm games honestly mm. i love expert difficulty in rhythm games um mm-hmm. i love in rocksmith getting up to you know getting a song up to 100 percent, and it just gives me all the notes because mm-hmm. you know in a well-designed rhythm game it has you you know play you know just matching what is in the music um yeah. as closely as possible so that to me is very satisfying yes you know and that's why that doesn't work for me in a game like elite beat agents yes because it, the correspondence between the music and what's going on on the screen never felt good to me. Mm-hmm. Never felt like a, but I will do the same thing in like a rhythm heaven. Yeah. As well. Like um, the, the, the challenge, the challenge modes in those. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge modes um, or yeah, exactly. When they do the remixes mm-hmm. of the levels, like I will complete those games yeah. um, tip the tails because I want the harder versions yeah. because they most more closely match the actual music, mm-hmm. um, which I really care about. I am very similar. I'm a normal mode boy. Um, I will for uh, immersive Sims. I do hard. Yeah. Almost always because I want to, um, especially dishonored games. Mm-hmm. Um, since the first one, I've been like pretty into playing that on hard Yeah. Uh, because I like uh, in getting in desperate spots. Like the game is a little bit too easy for me to, to complete uh, on normal just because you are so empowered mm-hmm. in those games. And I want to have to desperately escape. Yeah. Um, and I was very happy with my uh, desire to do uh, follow the advice and do Witcher three on one level above normal. Yeah. Um, not the super hard level, but the, the like, give me a challenge level because that ended up making the combat work for me. And I think for some people, when the combat didn't work for them, that might have been what it was. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of where it exists for me. Um, mm-hmm. My my overall preference, I think, is to not end up having to select a difficulty level at all, either to have it be um, dynamic or mm-hmm. to have it be kind of determined by subtle choices that you make inside the game um so you know either the resident evil 4 approach i think is is great because mm-hmm. you're not you're not you're not actually like forcing yours you're you're not, you're not making a modal decision um mm-hmm. and you know dark souls 2 is the other example where there are all kinds of levers that it gives you to um either yep. raise or lower the difficulty as it goes i think that those and, are those are masterful um in yeah. terms of you know just the way the agency that it gives you over difficulty yeah and dark souls in general is good at that yeah you know with with summons mm-hmm. and the like of letting you kind of choose when you need to tap out yeah. uh, within the actual fiction and, and kind of mechanics of the game mm-hmm. um something i wanted to bring up um is that when i was thinking about this when i read about it um is that i think the difficulty in games is as and and its quality when it's good or when it's bad kind of design um is as subjective as anything else in games mm-hmm. but and i am just you know we are guilty of this as well but it's not treated as such no. always and the thing that made me um think about this were two things like one um was uh, immortal unchained mm-hmm. which it has that like and i, I mentioned it when you talked about it as being like a cilantro game like it is a game that some people are just like this is the hardest fucking thing in the world <laughs> and it's different you know it's it's just an extension of that like dark souls find your weakness yeah thing. yeah you know like i do not find the anna orlando's archers hard i do find the anna orlando rafters extremely hard <laughs> right um and other people are the opposite yeah 
Um, so difficulty is exactly as and, – and that also is the point in which it is fun or not mm -hmm. um, to be really difficult. And when people get frustrated and they say, um, why did you bump down to easy – they just they just have a different sensitivity for that and want you to have that really good feeling yeah. that they had. But it's just going to be very particular to you whether you can get that good feeling from that particular game. Yeah. You know, um, some I, I was thinking about it in terms of like I'm pretty much I think I've walked away from Celeste. Like I'm not going to play that game. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like three or four hours into it. I'm like on the fifth or sixth world okay. into it. And it wasn't working for me very much in general. Like I, it's not touching my heart. And I don't like Meat Boy likes that much. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not feeling good after I accomplish things. Yeah. Um, and other people who love that game, like I spent, we just got through game of the year season and spent reading that as number one on thousands of people's games of the year mm -hmm. and reading nearly identical, identical paragraphs about how special it is. Yeah. Um, and they all just had that thing. Whereas for me, it's like, there are multiple reasons I don't like it. Part of it is though, that it's just like tuned to difficulty in a way that is not perfect to me. Um, I'm getting through the things I feel frustrated more than I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of satisfaction and that feeling of just like, oh, I hit this good flow state with this isn't firing for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is, you know, we, we try to avoid like subjectivity soup on the show, mm -hmm. but it is really a thing really, really hard as applied to difficulty. I think subjectivity soup like makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, a bunch of different things like Dark Souls finds your difficulty as a way that we describe that. We ran into that in the Final Fantasy X episodes talking about the Unalesca fight, right? Yeah. Where you just the, the way an experience breaks down for you will determine what your lasting impression is of it. And no matter mm -hmm. how much you can kind of like look at the situation that the game presents you with and like understand what they were going for. If you didn't hit that and if you didn't kind of like go with it, it will always feel like this incredibly dissonant patch. Right. Yes. Um, and well, I think that's an interesting uh, perspective. I'm not trying to do this to, to fight our Pokemons about that. Uh -huh. But I think that the, the reason why it's not 100. So like one of the things about that, and I think that even if you have a better experience with it, um, like that, I think that that would be really good if it um, had a little bit better signaling. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we talked about that in the episode. So it's not all entirely subjective. Like every once in a while you can find something that's like, oh, this is very difficult. Mm -hmm. It would be, you know, and we had very different experiences that just led to us getting the signaling or not. Mm -hmm. If that signaling was hard coded into it, like mm -hmm. if there was um, like a visual indicator or some kind of clue that it was going to do that, then I think that would have, you know, saying that that could be improved, like the difficulty would be uh, more fair. Mm -hmm. You can like judge something on an axis of how fair it is. No. Right. Um, and that's, that's very much, uh, actually like a, a, a quantitative argument you can make about something, but you can't just be like how, um, like difficulty itself in general is a little bit more like wiggly than that. Yeah. And it uh, doesn't lend itself to, to those kind of. I, I, yeah. I, I was, that, I was using that. that I, I was using that example as my, kind of more to kind of dovetail with, uh, Dark Souls finds your, uh, finds yeah, yeah. your, uh, Oh, so yeah, sorry. Uh, right. I just, I just, it's an interesting because I don't want anyone to take away from this that I'm saying that like you can't say objective things about difficulty. No. Oh, God. Because I don't no. think that's yeah. true. Like yeah. you can say like, hey, actually, this is unfair. Mm -hmm. um, if this had signaled this better or if this was, you know, X, yeah. then it would be better or worse. I think that is is very valid. But when it comes down to like pure meat, mm -hmm. 
you know, like pure what's hard in your hands. That is much more subjective, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pure and... meat that's hard in your hands. <laughs> Good. That's the thing that's, that's, that's subjective. I, it looks like it looks like I blew myself. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, um, a different way to say that. Yeah. That, that is a subdomjective. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think they just, uh, you know, uh, what gets difficult, you know, when we talk about something like, you know, like difficulty. What's difficult about difficulty um, mm-hmm. is uh-huh. that uh, – that there's an awful lot of vocabulary around it that doesn't make a lot of distinction between intellectual matters and, you know, either relational or emotional matters. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just like it get, you know, I think, I think that difficulty can be emotional as well. Yeah. Um, and the vocabulary that we use to talk, to talk about it, um, it is inelegant and it's hard when you're talking to somebody else for them to know which level that you're, the, 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 that you're addressing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like there are times where something will be very difficult and you are bringing a lot of mood to, to mm-hmm. it, yeah. um, in a way, and then presenting it as objective afterwards. And again, I think that we've probably been guilty of this as well. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's, you know, oh, like I played this, yeah. this section of this game. I just happened to play it when I was having a super bad day. Yeah. Uh, and it made it seem more difficult and more bullshit. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that there's no bullshit to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that like difficulty, you can make a stronger argument about it if you want to swim in objective waters by being like, hey, this was, this was the specific failure yeah. that it had. It wasn't just that like, hey, that's actually just too fucking hard. The time when we get bad about that is when we agree, when we both have the same experience and we yeah, just yeah. We, we just kind of like say, oh, yeah, this was hard or, oh, that was yeah. incredibly easy or that was a breather, right? Yeah. And and it doesn't mean that it can't be said because, again, the other half of that and something that's always been part of the remit of the show and is secretly a remit to everyone who ever talks about games ever <laughs> is that they are just talking about their experience. Yeah. Like it's all all pretty, you know, subjective. Like you, all you can do is make arguments mm-hmm. about something, and people can just like listen, and they can. I had a similar experience. I had a different experience. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where you're at. You're just there to listen to the arguments, mm-hmm. you know. And it, you run into problems not just in difficulty, but in general when you start presenting things not as like an argument, like "Hey, this happened because of this," but just kind of like "No, no, no, I know because X." Yeah. Then you can go to hell. Like generally, like I think that that's yeah. a really obnoxious perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we do that, uh, which I'm very happy about. And I'm I very conscious not. to not, you know, be like, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get this <laughs> and this is, this is, you know, bad. We might just say, Hey, this is bad. Yeah. But again, that's all through a frame of difficulty, like everything just being the subjective thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, I, there's something else oh, with difficulty I was thinking about, uh, in terms of this. Oh, like, um, so Jim Crawford of Frog Fractions um, was talking on Twitter and he was talking about uh, how uh, he was re uh, retweeted uh, Liz uh, Rikerson, I think her name is. Um, and she was talking about how old she was talking about chips challenge and how like old games have this uh, very not out of the box design in terms of um, where part of the fun was figuring out how to play them mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and that's definitely uh, a value Jim obviously has mm-hmm. like from his output and his game, his game taste. And what was really interesting about that is even down within. So he was expressing that as part of the challenge of the game, Yeah, you know, as being uh, part of that challenge. And he like brought up dark souls. He's like, first time you play dark souls, it's this big mysterious thing you have to figure out. And then every subsequent dark souls game you play, 
you just figured it out. So it's just a video game. Yeah. And there's some truth to that. Like Dark Souls one prepared me for Demon Souls in a serious way. Yeah. You know, um, but that kind of figuring things out, there's tons of nuance even within that. Like, I don't think that's inherently good either. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of games like try to do that uh, esoteric stuff and fail at it. You know, like, oh, this is just supposed to be like, this is a weird little itch game that is supposed to be a mystery f- to figure out. And it ends up being not fun because the challenge because of how it hits my specific challenge yeah my example of that and i don't you know i don't mean this to be a criticism of something that i know a lot of people get a lot of joy of but my experience with them is that that's what uh, Zach Cage games, not Zach Cage, but different things. Zachronics. Yeah. Zachronic yeah. games, like a, a large portion of those where it is figuring out what, what parts of the box are part of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that, that in particular, it provides a friction that discourage that, that discourages me from digging into them when I know that I would have a, you know, a tremendous amount of fun probably if I could get over it. Yeah, it's part of the challenge mm-hmm. of the game, but it just that's that it doesn't it's not additive to you. Yeah. You know, so it's in a, and I was thinking like when I started thinking about that, I started thinking like is like the pacing of visual novels part of the challenge of that for me? Like <laughs> is that a way to think to conceptualize my kind of dislike of that genre? In general, it's like, I I think that gets into like a weird thing. Like if you call something a challenging movie, like I would consider Inland Empire a challenging movie, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know either. I was just kind of experimenting with the thought. Yeah. You know, like you do need a a degree of patience or like, um, uh, fucking, uh, what is that? Camelot GBA golden sun. Oh yeah. Like those games have excruciating dialogue and everyone talks forever in them. Yeah. Is that an aspect of challenge? Because it is almost like a patience test to like get through that. Maybe. You know, I don't know. It's, it's just like a weird, I was just thinking about how this could apply. This is me being very like stoned at Denny's. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not recording this at Denny's, but it's a stoned at Denny's thought. Yeah. But I was just kind of trying to think like, it's not like everything, all taste can be filtered through challenge, uh-huh. but it is but it is, is anything that makes you put a game down inherently a challenge and a challenge. And it, and is it something where like games test, um, different aspects like strengths and appreciations of the person, Mm. you know? So like something like a, um, like I'm not, I don't think I'm as good at them as you are, but I'm pretty good at rhythm games. Yeah. So like to me, I don't know about those challenges as quickly as other people might. You know, because I just happen to have an okay sense. I'm a musician. I have an okay sense of rhythm. Um, Or if I think about um, like, you know, immersive simi games or like Infinity Engine, like moving my little guys around the board, those just inherently make sense to me. But when someone can't play Fallout 2, even though they love New Vegas, Mm -hmm. is that because is that me bringing a strength to this that is being tested and they just don't have that specific strength? Mm. Well, while I lack patience for this other thing or whatever, you know, is that it's just a framing that I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, like to, to, to me, the interesting question that that raises is that there is not a single kind of patience, just like there is not a single kind of intelligence. Um, and you've got a bunch of different patience currencies that each of us either have in surplus or deficit and spend at different conversion rates. Totally. Totally. Because like, look at something like, um, you know, it's, it's like a, uh, friend of the show, Bob Mackey, who like Mm -hmm. really, and this is not a value judgment. But like something being very too fiddly for him is a real a thing for him. Like systems being too fiddly, yeah, yeah. Um, is a is a serious thing. Whereas something you know like a Phoenix Wright game that is lots of text and like 
you know, that's super good for him. And yeah. I'm the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. it's very rare that I'm like, oh, this is too fiddly. <laughs> right. Like, give me give me those fiddles. But mm-hmm. it's like fiddles in an RPG sense, not fiddles in a Zachtronic sense. Yeah. You're like a programming fiddle? Miss me with that. <laughs> but, uh, but an RPG, like, stat fiddle, like systems fiddle? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You know, but a reading fiddle? No. Yeah. Like I, my house has many fiddles in it. <laughs> I bought it from the devil, not at the crossroads. <laughs> I said, let's raise the stakes on this motherfucker. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah. It's just an interesting, like, again, kind of semi stoned sounding, uh-huh. but like kind of an interesting way of framing this. Mm-hmm. The question made me think of. Yeah. Um, I've got two things that I want that I want to bring up that are just like total miss me with that shit uh, kind of things. I want to get your opinion on both of them. I'll do the easy one first. Okay. Uh, which is games that shame you for the difficulty that you choose. Oh, yeah. Fucking miss That's me with that shit. Yep. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5 yeah. chicken hat. M- miss me with the chicken hat. Miss me with yep. like the dog mode in Ninja Gaiden. Um, yep. like maybe I think miss me with like, even though it's kind of funny and doesn't really change the overall play itself, miss me with wah wah. I want my bottle in the Wolfenstein games. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I agree. I don't like those either. I think that, uh, those feel it's a weird thing that was a big game design thing in mm-hmm. doom, you know, early nineties yeah. and then went away for a while and then came back. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, very, very frustrating. There's, um, I talked about it in an old check it out comrade, uh, castle in the dark, I think is the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we played, which is kind of a fun little platformer, but the, um, if you put it on the, uh, easy mode, I think it just like auto wins for you oh. or something like that. Like it does it. I can't remember the exact nuance of it, but it does something really belittling and dumb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like that immensely. Yeah. I think that, so it definitely missed me with that. And even when it happens, even in kind of like, so there's one of those in Immortal Unchained. Like it kind of makes fun of you for losing a thing. And like, I, I don't I, find I, that because nothing happens. Yeah, it's just I, kind of a joke. I got that. And like when, when I saw it, I, I I texted you about it or I, I slacked you about it. I was like, it did like, is it like, did I get like a multiplayer thing? Like is somebody trolling me? And you're like, no, it's just yeah. the game. It's the game trolling you. That I thought was funny. Uh, but also I didn't realize I had lost as much as I did when it, yeah. when it, when it triggered. And it's like, oh yeah. yeah. Actually, whoops. And, and it, and it was like that, that was kind of, it, it was making hay of my bad performance and not judging me for playing the game the way that I wanted for to me, play. Yeah, it. exactly. Making yeah. a choice about something yeah. like that. Th- that is, um, mild, you know, that's a subtle distinction, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that in general, like even the immortal unchained one, I don't hate. Mm-hmm. I think in in terms of best practices, like maybe don't do that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, that one doesn't actually hurt, but I don't like it as a direction really. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's an, it's an ethos that I'm just not crazy about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all with that good, good, good thing, which we somehow managed to avoid talking about the, this whole time. But like, that's um, obviously related to all this nonsense. We don't have to go on at length about it because I've been going for a little while, but the other thing that was like, Hey, miss, miss me with this. I think that there's a certain toxic question and this pops up around the get good attitude and is raised by, you know, the fact that dark souls has brought these hardcore action RPGs to prominence. Um, and here's the question I think is toxic. Why is it worth playing something that isn't challenging to the point of exclusivity? The sub question mm. of that is why is it worth playing something that isn't challenging to the point of, um, to the point of whatever investment you put into it, be it time, be it money, etc. Yeah. Like why would you want, and even, you know, taking that further, like why would you want to play something that is not challenging? Right. Like what is the point of playing something that is not doing this yeah i I just the the reason that i think that that is a toxic question is it starts getting into who has the power to 
um, determine whether or something, it, whether or not something is a a game or b worth attention. Like yeah. it, like it, it, it is exclusive, and I think that's a loaded word. The more functional version of that is it is disqualifying. Like it, yeah. it is again, an attitude that looks to yeah, yeah, that you're doing in in that respect is always generally like a little shitty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a it it doesn't it's just a question you can ask yourself, but never ask anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and like so many of those things, like it's you know there are definitely games i play that are too easy mm-hmm. you know it's not like i you know i i just but why would i care how somebody else experiences something yeah like that if they're if they're having fun mm-hmm. you know why is that why is it my business whether they're getting you know it, like it plays into that thing we were talking about earlier where it's like it's just not your business or concern how somebody else is enjoying themselves or not no you know um it can it can come like there's a there's like a 15% that comes from a really good thing about wanting to share this very rich experience you have yeah, uh, in that respect. But 85% of it is gatekeeping bullshit and you should divest yourself of it. Yes. Um, immediately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it reminds me of that stuff. Like for a little while, there was a lot of those like think pieces or I would see on Twitter, like people were just like, Oh, I play every game on easy. And like, I, I remember having an initial like response to that. That was like, oh, I couldn't like I would never do that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, you know, fuck those people or they were doing something wrong. It's just like, oh, that's a weird thought experiment for me to think about what that'd be like for me. Ugh. Yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the reason that I recoil at that is like, oh, so seriously, every game to it's, yeah. it's a little bit like somebody saying, oh, I always salt and pepper my food before I eat it. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know, you don't you don't taste a little bit of it first to see what it needs. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> because like yep. I can understand that for like the part of this that I am here for, uh, like it doesn't matter how hard the game is. The like the the, the ear example of that. This is a decade old example, but I'll I'll say it here anyway. Red Faction Guerrilla, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make like there were a lot of people who said it doesn't make any sense to play this on normal or hard because the thing that is fun and the thing that you're here for is knocking building downs with a knocking buildings down with a hammer yeah right i mean i I guess even that though too like that's a weird like prescriptive fun thing yes you know like people it you whenever you're asking a question like that about general to other game players or whatever the thing you need to ask yourself first is um am i considering that there are lots of reasons to play games (laughs) and somebody else might be playing it for a different reason than me yeah you know because i think about something like that and it's like you you know even just saying the reason you're doing this is to knock down buildings with a hammer. Like maybe that's not the reason I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't know me like yeah. anything that could be answered with a, like a, like a snaps in the formation of a Z <laughs> and you don't know me. <laughs> like maybe you don't ask it, you know, you don't know me. <laughs> the, the, the doctor says, uh, you should really be finishing your antibiotics. You don't know me. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. You don't know me. I, the, uh, you know, at, at the at the end of the day, like I play the games I want, uh-huh. play the games you want, yeah. and just uh, just let that let that be its thing. Yeah, you know, and it, it's funny too because it, it's such a complicated like subject because the same way that patients have different types and uh, currencies, like so do uh, this like depends on uh, games entirely. Like, what's an easy mode game for me? Yeah, you know, versus what's a hard mode versus what's a normal mode. Like, it's genre dependent. It's individual title dependent. It can change during the course of a game. Is failure additive um, in this? Is failure. Exactly. Do I feel good or bad after I die mm-hmm. in it? Um, you know, and that's a, it's just going to vary so much per game. It's never, um, you know, it's not, it's never the same. And <laughs> I think there is an argument that like a game is like a, a, 
one mark of a very good game is hitting the highest part of the bell curve for those things for the most people. Yeah. And that's why I think one of the reasons why like Dark Souls took off was because it was a good feeling difficulty for enough people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it did inspire this kind of toxic culture and there are a lot of people who have dis- problems with it and serious problems with it. They're valid at the same time. Like it just, Oh, this is actually hitting that curve really well for enough people to like get this groundswell of goodwill and be like, I don't know the most influential game of like, I don't know the last quite a while. I mean, if you, you know, count Demon's Souls like, decade. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Last decade, like easy, most influential game of the last decade. Like yeah. it feels like to me, like it's just, it's everywhere. No, yeah. like, you know, there, you see the DNA of it. Um, so there is something to that, like just hitting that highest part of the bell curve. But the thing about a bell curve is that like, you know, 50% of the people are not at the top, like near the top of it, even really. Yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't take much to get a majority. Mm-hmm. So, do I do a lightning yeah. round? Let's do a lightning round. And then we're going to do your responses to uh, to January's games. And then we're going to announce March. Yes. These um, are all quick. Yeah. Uh, Corbin asks, what's your favorite kind of sandwich? Um, lately, uh, banh mi. Mm. Banh mi is good. Uh, I, I, I am a child. Uh, grilled cheese. Grilled cheeses are amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's comfort food. You know, like there, there yep. are lots of functional sandwiches. Uh, banh mi is an amazing sandwich. Uh, but yeah, uh, grilled cheese, especially if you start getting weird with it and putting stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a grilled cheese with barbecue like chips. Your dick. <laughs> like your weird dick, Cole? <laughs> like my weird, yeah. <laughs> I put it on my griddle. <laughs> yeah. The griddler. The griddler. <laughs> the griddler ruined That's my nice. dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm during the, my, uh, my winter break a couple of days. I ate two banh mi's, uh, in one day. Mm. It was awesome. Yeah, I bought one. I bought them both at the same time. I'm just like, I'm no, I'm gonna want to. I'm gonna re-up my anytime bombies later. <laughs> um, Jack Corgan asks, uh, "What makes the perfect buffalo wing? Crunch on the outside, moist on the inside, not too much sauce." Yep, I would agree. I think that crunch needs to be kind of subtle too. No, yeah. like I've had ones that are like super fried, like that are just like no, really the ones that are just like fried, like fried dough on the outside. No, yeah, too much. No, yeah. um, I even think like like noticeable rutting as a problem yeah um again fire in the mountain has taught me that like in that respect um also i mean the perfect buffalo wing for me that's a buffalo wing specifically chicken wing i like a thai uh chicken wing that has all three parts of the chicken wing mm, yeah um three parts there are three parts i watched a uh, uh america's test kitchen <laughs> video on them and there's that one little part that is often thrown away but is actually like mostly the, skin the wing tasty. the wing tip kind of thing yeah it's like yeah. it's a little yeah it's a little weird little shoulder thingy no uh, it's an informative video hmm. um callas uh, yeah. has there ever been a story about how friendship is bad um the episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia that exposes and explores the codependent relationship between dennis and mac yeah that's a great episode that's a great uh, example. So it's just, the one. It's the one where D gets a cat stuck in her wall. Yeah, which is which is, and they just like, keep sending in more cats, which is very string. Cat in the wall, and now you're talking my language. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, that, that's a great example. Um, I want to see some video games about that shit. Me too. I never want to play another video game about how the power of friendship is good. <laughs> um, screw you, Final Fantasies. Um, I'm done with, <laughs> done with your power of friendship games. Yep. Um, Tom Jacques says, uh, do you ever talk for your kitties? Like lots of people talk to their animals. Do you ever make them respond? What are their voices like? No, I don't do that. I will sometimes mimic my cat because she pretty much communicates in modem noises. Mm-hmm. She, she, she's a trill baby. Um, but yeah, no, like I'd, my joke answer would be like, oh, she's, she's a proper little lady, but I make her talk like Fat Albert. No. Oh, I just... sure. <laughs> like a little, little doctor, doctor girlfriend. <laughs> no, I do, I do not speak for her. 
Um, Roars was a Southern dandy, and I would only really do that to, to my wife, the, uh, you know, for to make her laugh. Make Roars a little Southern dandy, um, and then uh, Pocket. I'm afraid to do this because I think that the only correct, correct answer is like Sonic the Hedgehog, and I don't want to think of him like that. No, <laughs> like that is definitely that is the the big Sonic energy that he presents. <laughs> the BSE, like, the BS, the BSE. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Um, Andy asks, "Can I get please get your thoughts on this insect phenomenon? I just found out about it yesterday. Uh, this is insects. Uh, it shows a group of caterpillars all moving stuck together. Yeah, and it made me gag while eating breakfast. And my thoughts are <laughs> that it's bad and disgusting. And fuck those caterpillars. I hope they never become butterflies." <laughs> Somebody should stomp them out. Yeah. Um, my first thought on looking at it was it was like a liquor shrope for birds. Um, sure. I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my second thought that it was both awesome and awful in the sense that both of those words share the same root. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would run the other way if I saw it. Similar to like yeah. if you see a wall of daddy long legs breathing. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. Um, Christopher, Christopher asked, uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Um, I've answered this whole bunch of time. It's an old fashioned. Hmm. It's not a pretension thing. It's just my favorite cocktail. Yeah. Um, I've got a gutter palate. I don't really like cocktails because they're way too sweet. Uh, like, like an, I think an old fashioned or a Manhattan are both uh, too sweet for me. I, I like just like, you know, rail, rail drinks like X and Y. Uh, so like mm-hmm. a, a, a ginger, uh, oh gosh, a ginger and uh, bourbon is my go-to for those. Sure. Yeah. Um, specifically if it's a ginger beer and it's extra spicy, then yes, mm-hmm. that is my favorite. And also, um, if you want to put a cherry in there, I'm not going to complain, mm-hmm. uh, too, mm-hmm. too many places garnish a ginger and bourbon with a lime wedge. And I'm like, what the fuck do you think this is a dark and stormy? Give me a goddamn yeah. cherry. Different, uh, yeah, different, different things. Yeah. Yeah. Dark and stormies are good though. Yeah. Oh, they're great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is you on this last one. Uh, final one here. Spoon asks, what are your thoughts on sushi? Uh, I'm exceedingly pro sushi. Yeah. Um, I would like to, I would like to be exposed to more and better sushi, uh, in places where I've lived, not really been a very good sushi. Um, as far as I can tell. And, um, yeah, like mostly like down in Cincinnati, there was fusion sushi, which was like Chipotle for sushi. Mm. Um, (laughs) and then here in Mansfield, they've got a place called Wokano, which I understand is okay, but I don't really have a lot of uh, occasion to go there. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like it a lot. I don't do um, with seafood. I like fish and I like shrimp. Mm-hmm. I don't like fins, tentacles, mollusks, scallops, anything yes. like that. Yeah. So, um, but if it is a nice piece of like nigiri, like a nice piece of tuna or yellowtail mm-hmm. on a bed of rice, I am very happy yeah. with that. And I can, I love uh, even just kind of middle like sushi go round sushi. I really love, especially if I'm like super hungry because you just sit down and eat immediately. Mm-hmm. And I always feel good after eating it, and it's really cheap, and it's awesome. Yeah. 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 So that's the lightning round. That is lightning round. That has been all of our questions. Again, um, you know, if you didn't get your question answered, it will get answered in the future. Yeah. And uh, right now, we are going to talk about uh, or read your responses and talk about your responses to January's games. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I will get us started here with River City Ransom, which Darth Hendricks... (laughs) Oh no! Or Hendricks. <laughs> oh, oh, so it's because of the style sheet on our on our notes page. It is Darth Enderex. Oh, okay, Darth Enderex. Yeah. Okay. Um, all all good Sith names we have going on here. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is my content about Rissa Ransom. 
Hey guys, I just wanted to give you a heads up since I heard you were uh, going to do the NES version of River City Ransom and talked about the GBA remake. I want to let you know uh, that the 19 or 2016 um, 3DS game River City Rival Showdown is also a remake of the original River City Ransom, though it may not seem like it at first. The game has a very Majora's Mask style setup, hmm? uh, where <laughs> yeah. the game takes place over three days and you run around town showing up at various plot events and getting into fights and such. And depending on how you do, the story branches in different directions. But one way or another, the game still ends after three days. My first playthrough, I didn't really know what was going on, and I would show up to a bunch of events early and get my butt kicked. I, it wasn't until about halfway through the playthrough that I started figuring out which moves I wanted to buy, where I wanted to assign my stats, etc., and started winning my fights. But by then, the story was already on the bad path. I still managed to be uh, still managed to beat the bad path and then start over with New Game Plus. This time, I had the tools I needed to win all of the event fights I encountered, setting me on the path to the good ending. And it wasn't until about halfway through my second playthrough that I realized, wait, is this the plot of River City Ransom? And that's absolutely what this remake is. The game itself is also fantastic. It plays great and adds a frankly insane amount of content to the original game. I recommend checking it out instead of the GBA version. Hmm. Uh, you've done a very good job of selling that game to me, Darth. So thank yeah, that, you. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I I will sometimes get uh, too stressed out by a Majora's Mask setup. Like I like mm-hmm. Majora's Mask. I like uh, Dragon Quarter. Um, I don't like Dead Rising. Like some of that, like you mm. have three days and then you fail. And then you try again feels it's actually ties into that time stories yeah, yeah. thing we were talking about earlier. Like it's kind of a similar feel to me. Um, but that does sound really interesting in a river city ransom context. Like it at least sounds like something super like, you know, I, I have to see at least the stuff that you're doing as you're failing miserably is still really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for uh, hipping us to that. Mm-hmm. It's 30 bucks on the eShop and that is too much. Yeah. Oh, well, hey. I'll just wait until it's a slow month. <laughs> uh, now on to some responses about Owlboy. Nicholas writes via contact. I know you found it unbelievable how everyone in town thought Otis was a fuck up, but that strongly resonated with my childhood. Like Osseo, my parents were convinced I had huge potential, but because my slow because of my slow learning and overall ineptitude uh, they got in the way, uh, they would lose patience and belittle me. And because I lived in my parents' shadow in a small town, all our family friends saw me through that filter that had been crafted and treated me as such, albeit not as brazenly as the villagers and Owlboy. That said, it's disappointing how Osseo has never brought the task. At the end of the day, he gives the same, the same excuse every needlessly harsh parent gives about actually believing you despite their strictness um, and doesn't even apologize. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it does come off as too harsh, but that was also through our freight. Like we were talked about it by the time we had beat it. So the game, not really being about that and the game, not really looping back on that or having anything meaningful to say about it, like definitely colored those comments. Yeah. Like if it was going somewhere, but I, I mean, like coming the, the Todd Taladon's uh, comparison or something like welcome to the dollhouse, like mm-hmm. the movie that, you know, wouldn't it suck if everything sucked? Um, you know, and that's how that movie's always seemed to me. And that's how all boys seemed to be. Yeah. And there's just no catharsis. There's no learning of a lesson. He's no one's right about him. He doesn't fuck up, but nobody mm-hmm. ever gives him credit for when he doesn't fuck up. Like it's just kind of needlessly cruel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, so, need, need, needlessly cruel is at the heart of what I was going to add to it too. So I think, you know, yeah. yeah. So it's not that it's not that it's impossible to have somebody who's treated that way. It's more that they, it seemed, we said it was very harsh and it seems very harsh because the game didn't do jack shit with it. Yes. Um, uh, Abraham says, uh, or Abraham says by, by contact. I love that name. Mm-hmm. Actually. 
Um, I really wanted to like Owlboy, but I just couldn't get into it. I finished it mostly because it was beautiful both in visuals and the soundtrack. Otis's sprites are so evocative, and I really enjoyed being surprised by his expressions. Unfortunately, everything else just washed over me. The story was meh, but the visuals really did want me to just damn my critic and go along with it. I couldn't. I nearly gave up on the game when you got to this, got to space and lost the ability to fly. The jump mechanics are floaty and don't feel good, and the mechanical change there did not feel like a solid decision. I struggled through the end bit just for the sake of completing the game. Hmm. Same. Yeah. 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 For, fortunately, that is such a small sliver of the game. Yeah. And it just, again, it's not doing anything meaningful. Like you can uh, have somebody have an ability that's very empowering and feels really good mm -hmm. and do a lot by taking it away yep. and do a lot by giving it back. You can gravity gun, mm -hmm. you know, you can have that, uh, that sequence and that's not what Owlboy was doing. No, you know, it's just not what happened. That game has aged extremely poorly in my mind and I didn't like it when we recorded it, but yeah. when I've reflected on it, like I just been like, yeah. you know, I've, I've just been very cranky about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Eric writes via contact <clears throat> playing Owlboy felt like discovering a lost or underappreciated gem of the 16 bit era. This is not a compliment for me playing mm. a hidden gem of the SNES slash Genesis usually results in the same experience. There's a neat thing here or there. It plays somewhat better than the platform's baseline average titles, but it never compares to the era's best games. I can't imagine completing a new to me SNES title in the year and in our year of 2019 and having it slot in my personal top 10. Owlboy feels like that same second or third tier class of game. Uh, what's special there is absolutely the art and music. Strangely enough, I have to politely disagree with your assessment of the game feel, uh, at least in terms of movement, which I found quick and snappy. Maybe my brain's just wired weird. Uh, still, even with the movement as an added third joy for me, in addition to its more substantial aesthetic pleasures, Owlboy's still just feels like a competent tour of basic level design, cliched plot beats, and nonsensical characters. I enjoyed my time with it well enough, but it reminds me that sometimes a gem isn't a precious, rare thing. Sometimes it's just a pretty-looking rock you buy for $5 at a place that sells healing crystals and aura readings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a place in Portland called Psychic Sister that my <laughs> girlfriend's into that I've gone into that is this. Yeah, Technic technically turquoise is a gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with turquoise if you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also nothing wrong if you thought the game movement. That doesn't mean your brain is wired weird. Maybe yeah. our brain is wired weird. Yeah. I think everybody's brain is wired weird. Yeah, all brains are, are wild, wired weird. <laughs> I love that point, though, about, like, when somebody describes something to me as a hidden gem mm -hmm. from, like, the NES or SNES era, and I play them, I have a very similar experience to that. Yeah. And I really like that that point. Um, about that it's like yeah um that lines up with I mean, my experiences on abject suffering sometimes yeah me too like it's like yeah, i'll play something and it'll be like it will be a little bit better than i thought but like mm -hmm. so i remember and obviously like putting aside all of its terrible racist connotations like playing wampum mm -hmm. right for the nes like and it's like oh this is a hidden gem this is a really good game like it is good but it, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it's as good like and just as a game again like yeah. leaving aside all the cultural stuff but it's not ducktales good yeah, you know, and it was never going to get there. Like it does feel, you know, that's a really good description. Like better than the platform's baseline average, but doesn't compare to the era's best. No, and yeah, and that's how I felt about all of those type of games. Yeah, that I've I've had sold to me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Except that's, that's, that's Park. a trenchant point. <laughs> was that? Except for Thimbleweed Park. Yeah, Thimbleweed Park is actually extremely good. <laughs> right. That that is the best hidden gem. Yeah. Of the uh, yeah of the the old computer era, the VGA era. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Doug says via contact. Like you both, I was ultimately let down by Owlboy, especially in its mechanics. It got me thinking of a throwback platformer uh, I liked much more, Celeste. While both games are beautiful to look at and listen to, their gameplay offers a stark contrast. Owlboy's motion is sluggish, and its gameplay verbs are cumbersome to execute. Worse, the gameplay never builds those mechanics into potentially interesting puzzles. Celeste, on the other hand, other hand uh, not on the other sand, that's very different. <laughs> it's over there. On the other hand, is, uh, is speedy and only has two real mechanics, a double jump and a wall grip. Celeste, however, iterates on those simple mechanics by offering a variety of puzzles where those verbs can be applied in different challenging ways. This isn't to suggest that Celeste is perfect, but it demonstrates a solid lesson in less is more design. Super Mario Brothers remains fun to play more than 30 years on for the same reason. Give me a character with a few verbs and an interesting world in which to apply them rather than a character with a large number of verbs and nothing interesting to do with them. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that too. I think Owlboy suffers from both. I don't think mm-hmm. Owlboy has enough verbs either. Yeah. Uh, they, it seems like he does, but the, even like when I got the third projectile and it was a better version of the first one, yeah. it was like, this is a lack of imagination going on here. Yeah. Or there are you know? verbs that are present, but there is not anything to do with them. Like throwing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just never have to really do it. You have yeah. to do it to do block puzzles. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it definitely has that, like, there's nothing interesting to do, but also definitely has a, there's not a whole lot of, things they do them with either yeah kind of feeling so yeah yeah um thanks everybody for all boy responses moving on to the lion's share of this yes uh unsurprisingly final <laughs> fantasy 10 people like final fantasy games who knew who knew yeah. not me i <laughs> swear with how they keep making <laughs> i don't even know what that means <laughs> i have no idea i, could, I yeah. can't help you buddy it means nothing um, I'll start us off here with Richard, who says, in high school, a friend and I were uh, showing Final Fantasy X to, to, to another friend who was only familiar with Western RPGs. When the girl hands Titus a blitz ball and asks for his our autograph, our non-initiated friend didn't understand that this was the game's cute way of asking him to name his character. Hence, he mistakenly named his Titus. <laughs> Fuck yo. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. This is a very funny thing to write on a blitz ball. Blitz ball. Somebody <laughs> asked you to autograph. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you. Yo. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really good. <laughs> it's tremendously good. That's very funny. There was a dude I knew um, in high school uh, who was, you know, generally like real funny and was kind of like a weirdo who was better friends with a friend of mine. So I wasn't like super close with him. Uh huh. Who uh, played through Final Fantasy VII and named everybody like really lewd things? Okay, and I don't. I never do that. I always do canon names, right? First off, um, but uh, I was surprised by how even thinking back to it sometimes, it, like it makes me laugh because <laughs> it allows you to do that. Like it, JRPGs are a big genre for that, and JRPGs are also a big genre for like extremely serious melodrama. Yeah, you know. So like when you know Cloud is crying, like everyone is on the airship, like talking about how like big tits ain't coming back and how like we have to, <laughs> you know, we have to get over the loss of big tits. <laughs> like, no, there's, I am not, I'm not made of stone. No, like no. I, I still think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, no. People, but, yeah. people don't grow up They're The, their younger version is still inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you just add to them, yeah, like a big mound of mashed potatoes, you keep adding mashed potatoes to them. <laughs> um, Ben says via contact. Blitzball is a great video game, but it's kind of annoying that there are there is an unskippable five hour interactable cutscene about a whiny time traveling athlete before you can start the game. Also, weird translation issues. The port misspells Blitzball as Final Fantasy X. List that in the goofs section of IMDb. That is IMDb. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I'm surprised there wasn't a standalone Blitzball something. Like, like, like a mobile game? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it would have been ripe for it. And when um, they put out that version of Triple Triad on iPhones like a couple of years ago, that's not very good. I'm mm-hmm. surprised they didn't try that with Blitzball as well. No. Yeah. Because it also has that serious nostalgia factor. Yes. And that god-awful Final Fantasy portal app. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, From, yeah the Final Fantasy Nine guide. Oh no yeah, no! I, I, like on on the phones, like that's how you played uh, triple uh, tri- triple oh, triad. Oh, you're, you're was, right. You're right. What was like in a container app that had like just a bunch of it just had hooks into all these free to play Final Fantasy things that were just total yeah. garbage. Yeah, yeah. Cell phones are a big money maker for Square, and it sucks. Yeah, I wish they weren't making that money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I deleted Mobius Final Fantasy off of off of all of my mm-hmm. devices, but I still get push alerts. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what <laughs> I did. On the grave, I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't so let's it is called mobius final fantasy like there's something kind of whatever the name of the daemon that uh that is mobius like that is very sinister yeah it's funny um joe from illinois says hey, via contact um i saw you guys were covering final fantasy 10 much to gary's delight i'm sure laura um and i had to reach out and tell a funny story i was playing through this game with my best friend a couple of years back with us discussing the game as we went after what felt like the 20th time tita says this is my story something broke inside my friend he just screamed no it isn't you fucking jackass you are objectively not the star of this game no matter how badly the writer wanted you to be you are a supporting actor as best i hate you so much afterwards mm-hmm. we looked at each other and had a good long laugh to this day one of us will occasionally just look the uh, look at the other and say this is my story while the other grimly shakes their head no uh, thank you Joe. <laughs> thank That's you funny. yeah yeah. I love the idea of losing your temper in a JRPG. That's very good. Yeah. I wonder, like, because it happens in twelve too, and I'm not, you know, and this is not me trying to like open up the Pokemon fight with twelve, but I don't really like the the main character of this game isn't your character mm. thing. I think that's not interesting, and it means you spend a lot of time with a really boring or bad character before you get to anything interesting to yeah. really to know at. Vaughn Va- Va- is a mistake. I think that the like. 12 succeeds at that because ultimately it really isn't about uh bosh or ash uh mm-hmm. as well like it is it, like like it is really uh you know about the kingdom intrigue and the the the, 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 the curia yeah 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 and and you know obviously like we really like that witcher is witcher 3 is not necessarily Geralt's story but yes. in, it's enough of Geralt's story mm-hmm to make it not trigger this like i mean Geralt. and Geralt is not Vaughn. like yeah Geralt is no Vaughn. even if you don't like witcher 3 Geralt is no fucking Vaughn. yeah um you know so that that ends up making a big difference but just as a a device in games i just feel like you identify so strongly with your point of view character Mm -hmm. in games that's part of the reason for games yeah you know is that like you do have that additional level of immersion and identification like yeah why would you want to have a a really bad bland character is that intentionally and 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 vaughn is absolutely a damning example of that because he was total he was totally forced on that story and on that game because they didn't think they didn't think the audience would identify with a you know with a 36 year old bearded dude right yeah because because of the weird uh jrpg like you know you know uh pro zd or pro zdp yeah i i get guy. i get his short videos and he's funny yeah he's very funny and he just had the like the one that was like guessing ages and animes and it made <laughs> me think of uh that lulu you know lulu oh, and yeah. stuff and it's just like a character who's just like you know i i retired from the force 
you know, to pursue becoming a full-time <laughs> classical pianist. And, I, and in my spare time, I've caused the cure cure for the genetics virus. And, and he's like, oh, are, you know, are you, uh, oh, you've got to be like, what, 20, 28? I'm 14. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, no. Like, yeah. It's just a real weird predilection for youth. Yeah. Like in terms of just, not even just sexually, but just as like a, you know, people have really, to be teenagers you, to be okay. They're, 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 uh, you cannot have an interesting story about uh, anybody who, over 28. Or anybody over 19. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, I mean, it, it, for as many problems. <laughs> pop culture. Everybody's like, got a gem in their forehead that starts glowing yep. <laughs> when they're 18 and a half. I mean, yep. like, for as many problems as, as that game has, like, I like Catherine was such a breath of fresh air because it is a game about people in their 30s. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It's so it's so weird. Yeah. Such a weird choice to just never have anybody who's not a tiny kid. <laughs> you know, like your audience is old now. Yeah. Um, like, you know, your, your yeah. audience is old. Your, your audience is old and does not necessarily covet their long lost youth. Yeah. You know, try try not having something set with high school students or below. No. Yeah. You know, let's get some adults up in this shit. I guess that's a cool thing about Yakuza. Yeah. Is like, I mean, I, I wouldn't be if you told me like the Yakuza guy is supposed to be eighteen. Yeah. I would get really annoyed. I guess I wouldn't be that surprised, but right. I'd be pretty pissed actually. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. But it does, it seems at least like it's a game about somebody at least solidly in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to look that up though. That's going to have to forever remain a black box to me. Uh, but I mean, and that uh, that'll be thrown off by Yakuza zero, but I think that after you've put out like five games, it's okay to go back and say, this is what he was like when he was like 20. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, but he can't in, in Yakuza six, he can't be 20 because that would mean Yakuza zero. He's like 12, <laughs> you know, and I just like wouldn't be surprised. I just, what the fuck is up with that? <laughs> baby crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> baby crimes division. Brady <laughs> um, yeah. and entering. Uh, Brian says by contact. Well, Vezzy 10 is what got me to buy the PS2. I saved up for months to buy it and was super excited to start playing it when I got home. Then I discovered the error I had made. This was the first console I had bought myself, and so I was unaware that memory cards were sold separately, and the person that sold it to me had mentioned it either. I was a year short of being able to drive myself, so that meant waiting an extra week until I could get a ride to town. I resisted the temptation to start a game since I'd have to start over anyway. That lasted all of three days. <laughs> I started up intently to play just a little bit to see how it was. Just a little bit. Ended up being all the way to Luca. Uh, just after the Blitzball tournament. Oh. Uh, I think that really stuck with me because after that, I always made sure I had a way to save data with anything I bought. Yeah, that was that was a problem with working at a game store um, kind mm. of at the tail end of that era. You know, started working in 2003, 2004. So the PlayStation was still a thing. And like there were multiple different versions of the Xbox 360 with different storage and telling a young person who had a fixed budget or telling a parent like, oh, you're going yeah. to need this extra thing or else this is going to be a useless brick in your house. It's like, like, like that is that is good advice, but also it comes across as a sales pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a real bummer. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I remember that just being like, you know, at the time I had my own money, but when the PS2 came out, but also it was like throwing an extra 30 or 40 bucks. on yeah, it was like half sucked. a game, like buy, buy a yeah. half a game on top of this. Just to, yeah, yeah, just to be able to play it. Yeah, that was a real bummer, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I still have a bunch of my memory cards. I don't really hook up those systems anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, cause they, you know, cause of emulation and stuff, but it's, it's pretty fun to like look through them. I've got a you bunch know, of I them. Love, I love uh, PS1 and PS2, the little animations that play. Oh, so good. 
on the icons. <laughs> Somebody should do a Tumblr of all those, actually, if there isn't one. Yeah. Those things own. Good idea. Yeah. Um, precisely, Jay, is this me or you? Um, I, I, I forget. I think this might be me. Yeah, oh, okay. this, is, this um, is me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is you. Precisely, precisely JSF. Yeah, precisely J says via contact. I was in early high school when Final Fantasy X came out. I was less about games in general than punk bands and riding skateboards all day, but I had been a fan of Final Fantasy for years. For me, though, FF X was one of the main tentpoles of what I, at the time, considered to be the end of RPGs. I remember the marketing of Final Fantasy X as relying heavily upon how much of a movie it was, that it was going to look, sound, and feel like a movie. That marketing and the reports that so much of the gameplay was basically on rails was an armada of red flags that Squaresoft was, to a young punky kid, selling out to cash in on getting more filthy casuals and no longer gave a crap about making a good trademark game. Also, Spirits Within happened around the same time uh, to further break whatever spirit that I had left within me. Good. Well turned. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was I was furious at Square. It was the first major time I had felt personally betrayed by a gaming company. I wasn't completely up on gaming news at the time, and I'm not sure if maybe I would have seen this coming had I been paying more attention, but it felt... Uh, like one of my favorite gaming companies had completely lost what had made it special in order to, in order to chase that Hollywood status. Um, I played a lot of Final Fantasy X at the time, but I was so disheartened by all the changes that I found almost joy in it. Almost no joy uh, in no it. No joy in it. Yeah. No. Uh, the announcement of the Enix merger shortly after seemed like evidence to me that they were never going to be the same again, and it took years before I was able to say Square Enix without spitting on the ground. <laughs> um, I will say that I rediscovered the soundtrack later on uh, through the piano collections and tracks like to Xanarkand really shine in that format since you can hear the Wimatsu influence more prominently. Uh, it's a high recommendation. Of, uh, I, rec I highly recommend all of the Final Fantasy piano collections, but between my love of those tracks from 10 and your podcast reminded me uh, what isn't just marketing gimmicks about the game, I am probably going to give this another go on the Switch so I can find out how uh, out of line younger me actually was for being so mad about this game. Oh, that's interesting. I For me, this is, is like a turning point too, though. Like in replaying it and feeling those comparisons to later you know, to the, the dreaded Final Fantasy 13, mm -hmm. you know, corridor RPG thing, like it does make me feel like this is a turning point. Like, and, and I like 12, you know, not as much as you do, but I still like it. Like, I think that is a blip. Yeah. You know, they gave the, the Final Fantasy Tactics guy a game mm -hmm. and he did something interesting because he's the Final Fantasy Tactics game guy. And of course he did. Yeah. Um, but in general, like this is kind of a turning point for RPGs for me. Like mm -hmm. the PS2 era was very dire to me yeah. in terms of RPGs. And it was still what I was pretty in the pocket for him. So like, yeah, I, I tried to choke down Xenosaga and like <laughs> I tried to choke down Rogue Galaxy yeah. and I tried and like they're just they're bad. They're slow that move towards like uh, cinematic and corridor presentation um, was kind of an industry thing with with the genre yeah. at this point. No, I mean, 2000 was the last year that I was really engaged with JRPGs in the way that I was, um, you know, so into them for pretty much all of the time when I could choose games in the nineties, like mm -hmm. Chrono Cross came out that year. I love Chrono Cross to bits. This came out that year. I played this and enjoyed it, you know, back in the day. And then after that, I never like even to the, even to now, the only thing, the only JRPG I've really engaged with, um, is final fantasy 12. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the especially only, from the this era. One. Like, yeah. there are things that came later that got interesting again. But this, yeah. I think that the turn of century was really bad for this genre. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. And, and like the 360 and PS3 era was no better. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, or worse. You know, it just continued these trends. Like there were there were fewer games, but when mm-hmm. they came out, they were more movie like, less interactive, simpler, so excessive, etc. Yeah, yeah. Like like ten, like ten, absolutely. You know that would like it, it was marketed as a movie, but so was seven. Like the reason so many people yeah. got seven was because of the commercials that showed all the CG cutscenes. You know, well, but, but there's a big there's an important distinction there because seven is less of a movie. Though. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like in in reality, like yes, yeah. they're both marketed the same way. Oh, but, but, in but it was actually it was an it. indication of the direction Square was going. I guess was a, yeah. it was the what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I would like sometimes think about like what the world would be like. I don't, you know, I don't have all the sales figures. And I don't know how much it influences things, but mm-hmm. nine being their like throwback mm-hmm. goodbye to that style. Mm-hmm. Like it, what if that had been their seven and just had been like a wild success? <laughs> like what would square be like if they didn't go in for whatever you would call their aesthetic now? No. Like they're weird, like modern motorcycles and cars exist, but also everyone looks like they're in my chemical romance. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of style. Like if that just didn't happen and they kept with that, like kind of, you know, frankly, like very quaint and beautiful, like well-designed FF nine mm-hmm. kind of style. Um, I wonder what that would be like if they never did you know? the Amano, um, kingdom Hearts switch over. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think about that sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, you, I, I feel like, you know, it probably good instincts to duck out of Dodge around that time. Like, yes, you can loop back and there are games there's still interesting things that came out around that time. Mm-hmm. Like Dragon Quest eight is there, which is a game I played all the way through. And I don't yeah, know if yeah. I'd like it now, but it's not bad quality. And the persona games started coming to PS two. Yeah, yeah. A couple years after that. And those are interesting. So there's still good stuff, but there <laughs> is just a wave of boring ass, like bland cinematic JRPGs. Yeah. From that time. All, all I can think of is somebody really trying to trying hard to sell me on lost odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. I keep thinking I've thought about many times like when I think about like if there was a franchise that would be the franchise I would less, least want to do for like a show. Uh-huh. And like Final Fantasy is a very long franchise. Mm-hmm. I still think I would rather do all the Final Fantasy games than do all the Xeno prefix games. Oh fuck for fuck's sake, man. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's dire. Yeah. Like that's like it like that starts bad and gets worse. <laughs> uh and then yeah, I don't think I could do like the Xeno Saga games like I got so so upset at those like uh you know because i just i just want i was still in that pocket where i was just like oh yeah cool like <laughs> yeah. rpgs like i like I, these. I, like, I, I was into it i was even like down oh. for like some of the cinematic stuff like oh yeah like the, this, this has long cutscenes. I, I, I liked metal gear solid too just fine uh no mm-hmm. nope <laughs> yeah they're just really boring games sorry bye yeah like exceedingly boring Bad, bad games and there's three of them and they're longer than anything <laughs> like i'd rather do the dot hack series <laughs> than those hook me up give me that dot, that dot hook up i, I don't i never played do any that. of those i i played the first two of them yeah. they're weird they're serialized but it took forever between entries coming out uh-huh like they, they, they're they kind of interesting i don't think they're like i don't think we should do them for the show but they're kind of mm-hmm. interesting yeah the whole thing is like a fake internet within them uh, yeah so I, I, I dug i dug that as like a back of the envelope pitch for them but yeah. yeah. The the actual mechanics are nothing special. No. Um Steven says by contact. Waka looks like he killed a family of raincoats. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and is wearing their hides. Yes. <laughs> uh he has a dumb haircut and his weapon is a ribbed soccer ball. He's racist and religiously conservative, but he's weirdly one of my favorite characters in the series. He has an arc 
I really like that the game introduces him as a lovable buddy, the kind of guy who will give you the straps and zippers off his back. <laughs> but later on, he shows a less flattering side when he's prejudiced against Riku, who we've also already met and have positive feelings about. I'm not sure the game has anything interesting to say about racism, but I do like that Waka grapples with these attitudes and slowly grows past them. The voice acting really helps, of course. John DiMaggio really elevates the material with a ton of charm. On an unrelated note, the main musical motifs of the game's soundtrack are outstanding. The way the music swells during the climax of the game's climactic moments between Yuna and Titus are heartbreaking and awful, or and beautiful. <laughs> uh, this, it's sweeping melodrama on a scale that the series does particularly well. Final Fantasy X is a mixed bag in most respects, save for the amazing battle system, but I'm okay with that. I still have a lot of affection for the game, including its rough spots, and it remains fun to play and experience the story. Revisiting it recently revealed that not all of it has held up for me over the years, but it really does make me pine for a new game in the series that builds on this iteration of the Final Fantasy battle system. Thanks for covering it for the show, and I'm excited to hear the episodes. Um, I do not like these games, but they bravely default games are not that dissimilar no. in terms of the battle system and letting you like manipulate the timeline. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like those. I, mean, I can't recommend them, but if you just want the battle system, you should give them a shot because they are popular. Yeah. You may like them. They've broken down the characters. Uh, there's four characters and the first one, it's three uh, non-participants in terms of personality and one horny. <laughs> and then the second one, apparently it's two non-participants in terms of personality and two horny. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, but there's just two like unflavored for me. Uh, <laughs> Three in the first one, just like nope, I prefer not to have a trait. <laughs> I'm going to do the uh, the deprived mode when it comes to picking uh, having a personality. Yeah. Oh, but there's a funny little goblin with us. How old is he? Ten. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's bravely default. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I never fucked with those. <laughs> not that bad. Um, I, it's a very this is a very funny first paragraph. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that, was, that was quite funny. Um, I don't know if that I have anything to add. I agree. I like the motifs in the musical motifs in this game. And we came away feeling very similarly about Waka. Like he's a real shithead. I, mm -hmm. I don't want, I also think the game doesn't have anything meaningful to say about racism other than that. Like it's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, and I calling it an arc that he goes through is really hard for me. Like he just kind of like, is racist, realizes he shouldn't. And then just kind of spends the rest of the game shell shocked. Yeah. Like he backseated kind of <laughs> pretty hard once that happens. But um, yeah, it, it, it is weirdly it's the best character yeah. like by a lot. Well, what it says about racism is it takes all of your assumptions and everything you held to be true about your identity to be uh, undone by catastrophe in order for you to realize that it is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so you literally had to be deconstructed piece by piece. Yeah. Like oh. religion has to be destroyed. Yeah. And then you can not be a racist. So <laughs> get on it. Weird. Naga kids. <laughs> um, Eno or Ino uh, says via contact. I, I know. I know. I know uh, says no. via contact. Um, I was generously allowed to borrow a PS2 around 2008 and 2009. I played through a bunch of classics that I had missed since I was not a console owner. Xenogears I slogged through in six months. Final Fantasy IX was a breeze. Took me three weeks. And at first I bounced, I bounced off hard from Final Fantasy X. The beginning was just silly and empty. Compared to having just uh, having just played nine, the gears uh, clearly were not clicking together yet uh, when jumping into the PS2 technology was with the aesthetics, the voice acting, etc. The storytelling in the beginning was quite disjointed um, and the game couldn't pull me in. I recall I got as far as landing on the beach, meeting Waka and deciding, no, this isn't this just isn't great stuff. 
I slowly trickled back into it. Um, I was able to accept the silliness and the characters grew on me uh, the way there. I had named uh, Titus Burritos. I was drawn to Lulu's character because she seemed to be in on the joke, including her dislike of burritos. Uh, only after playing, uh, I only after playing it, I learned about the character bonding system behind the curtains, uh, which explains the number of little scenes that I got with Lulu. I was uh, I was very happy about that. She was my harsh mentor. Uh, she has a great theme too. Um, I have rearranged it a few times and there's a shameless plug of an OC remix. Uh, I like mm -hmm. OC remixes, so I will go and check that out later. Um, continuing the battle system was something that was very welcome after nine. I did enjoy working towards new abilities. So even random battles didn't feel like a waste there, but boy, was it slow. 10, on the other hand, whoosh, and you're actually already fighting like the 16-bit games. Plus, you can see the queue of turns, can swap characters in and out of the battle like nothing, and you get this satisfying character building system. No complaints that I recall from 10 years ago. I really didn't mind the game's linearity. It felt like a road movie to me in that way. It's a silly story, uh, but as such, it is enjoyable. I insisted on calling Sin Finn throughout, since there's that early battle with his fin sticking out of the water. Lots of memorable scenes in the game for the wrong reasons. You can make a lot of fun out of it, and it still manages to be genuinely endearing. At least that was my experience with it. Good times. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the thing, like it is, it does have that kind of like. I'm skeptical of somebody or the attitude, not a person, but the attitude of this just being like, this is high deep art. Yeah. And, and is beyond reproach, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that is a, not an appropriate tact for final fantasy 10. I don't think it's deserving of that, but saying like, no, it's, it's actually like, yes, it has these problems. It's a mess, but like, it's pretty goofy mm -hmm. and endearing. Like, I think that it, it can get by on that. Yeah. Endearing, go, endearing can go a long, long way. Mm -hmm. um, Jack says by contact. Like you guys, I did love the Final Fantasy X battle system during my first playthrough. It made me feel powerful and clever as I used all my characters to mow through, stunlock, and otherwise completely trivialize the vast majority of random encounters. However, between the encounter rate and the very weak palette swaps, this quickly grew intensely tedious during subsequent playthroughs. I don't necessarily see the point of view that TDM is a useful mechanic. I appreciate the way the game wanted me to feel smart for figuring out which character unlocked the one-hit kill option for each random enemy, but it quick, quickly became akin to memorization slash flashcards. It, I just didn't have any fun during my replay due to this patronizing method of random encounters, unfortunately. Lots of uh, sugar talk about both the visual representation and articulation of the sphere grid, but I think that'll be much more well-trodden ground. Yep. Insert lots of talk. Yes. Um, so everyone can just kind of make that in their head. Yeah. Um, yeah, the encounter rate in this, like, was a big bummer to me on revisit to you. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Like I, I was expecting this episode in general to be a lot more negative than it actually turned out. I think it is an interesting game and stuff, but the actual experience of playing it, like, you know, insert kind of waff JRPG dot text here. Like mm -hmm. the encounter rates are too high in general. And most of the time I spent fighting pallet swaps in the desert and that sucks. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no, there's no defense for that. That's just bad. They wait way too long to bring any kind of enemy variety. Yeah. And uh, and I agree. Like, I, I like this point about, you know, it being intentional that it's like, hey, here's a flying enemy. It's a lock. Waka is the key for that. Mm -hmm. um, but just, yep, I learned it. Oh, wait, there, there's <laughs> you're just going to keep testing left? me on this. Yeah, OK, OK, cool. Yeah, I guess I'll just do the same test over and over. Yeah. You know, that's cool. It's more successful than when they bring in um, the bosses that you can choose the distance from. 
you know? Oh yeah. Like boss fights, it actually is very good. I just mean the rank and file oh, yeah. encounters <laughs> where it's just to like, be fun pretty quick. Like the entire game is the road out of Besaid. The, yeah. the, the tutorial yep. battle road. Yeah. Yep. And it, yeah, that is uh that's pretty undefensible. Yep. So, um, finally here, yep. Dan writes in via contact. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Um, I, I was about 10 when this game came out and it was my first full JRPG in saying this, it was way before I had an understanding of experience points and grinding. So I spent a lot of my 40 or so hours with this game spamming hit and hit only and run so I could get, uh, so I could get through to the next story beat. This left me super underleveled for the end game and I could not face the idea of throwing out the pacing of the story to go grind once I had reached Xanarkand. But then I heard about Yojimbo and my fears were quelled. I sought the secret Aeon uh, and negotiated with this bro to come and one shot and win the game for me in exchange for all of my gill, of course. This may sound cheesy, but I loved the headcanon of my band of insanely incompetent guardians bartering with what felt like an omniscient capitalist mercenary god to drag him out of his cave uh, to join the fight. Uh, a strangely emergent, satisfying conclusion that suited most of the rest of the characterization of the characters so far. Uh, thought it was an interesting articulation of a 10-year-old's perseverance in a game system. Yeah, that first paragraph is very damning. <laughs> like that just like I just ran, ran away from everything because I wanted the story. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, you know, do this. Mm -hmm. And the game, you know, like obviously it's, it's fine that it didn't allow for that because it wants you to to play it. Yeah. You know, but like that is just like, woof! What a mm -hmm. miserable feeling. Yeah, that is. So, yeah, and, and I, I love any read. I mean, like there, there's a little bit of that there. Like the guardians take their eyes off the prize so many times that oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think that it's entirely headcanon. But I, but I love uh, re, you know reads on game protagonists as being incompetent. I mean that yeah, that, yeah. that is entirely why I love Dragon Age Two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. The, uh, my friend Eric played Final Fantasy VIII and he, because summons were the most powerful thing mm -hmm. that you could do, that's all he did. Oh, yeah. He just didn't engage with the junction system at all. It just every battle he just summoned as many times as he could. Oh, nice. And that sounds also like a hell. Well, that sounds like a that way to make an 80 like hour a... game a 160 hour game. Exactly. Like, oh. yeah, fuck me. Like, no, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I just remember telling him, like, and he was like, it's the most powerful thing. I'm like, we don't have to do it. And he's like, what's the most powerful thing? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we're at an impasse. Yeah. I guess, yes. Somebody, somebody solved this Israel-Palestine <laughs> that we got going on here between these two things. And I'm not going to assign sides in that because. Yeah. No, I, that's don't, fraught. Yeah, it's fraught. And I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was very goofy. Yeah. So, that was a thing. So yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, boy um good first dispatch long meaty mm -hmm. hopefully you guys like it let us know yeah please do um this is this is experimental uh we mm -hmm. can we can fine-tune it as we go again if your question was not answered back in the q a they are still held back if we end up getting enough of them we may do like a uh a special extra kind of thing yeah. to to clear yep. through them yep. to clear out the backlog um if you like this if this uh you know, this is a good length. Let us know mm -hmm. if this is not, or if this is too much, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, if this is, uh, this is longer than you want, let us know as well. Yeah. Um, for the listener responses, if you have things to say about super Mario two, um, mm -hmm. Pyre or Bioshock infinite or its DLCs, the deadline is February the 15th. Uh, so yes. go to 
uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact and write those in. If you have thoughts about multiple games, uh, please put those into multiple messages for us. That just makes it easier for us to include your response. Please. And now the time everyone's been waiting for. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't stay till the end of the podcast, you'll just tweet me and I'll probably just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, the What we're doing in March. Mm -hmm. um, this is a, uh, like I said, we, we still have theme months where mm -hmm. people had patronized and requested these. And we're clearing those out. Yeah. Uh, so we're the, we're honoring all of those obligations. And this is a theme month from Michael. And I close the window. Yes, it is Michael Benavidez. My, Michael Benavidez. Thank you, Michael. Um, and Michael's suggestion was kind of uh, survival desperation. Yes. Uh, slash desperation as mm -hmm. a theme. Yeah. Let's get real bummed out. Yep. We're going to get bummed out and desperate and hard scrabble. Um, so we're just going to play the hard mode of the GBA scrabble port um, for the entire time. <laughs> and I'll be eating scrapple while I do it. Yeah. Hard scrapple. Um, so that, uh, that month we are going to be doing papers, please. Mm -hmm. um, which uh, is that indie darling um, from the same uh, maker of Oberdin. Mm -hmm. This year's uh, last year's indie darling. Yeah. And uh, interesting game about uh, totalitarianism and paperwork. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we will be doing Frostpunk. Yeah, uh, by the team who did This War of Mine, uh, yep. one of my favorite games from the year that came out. I'm very mm -hmm. curious about this. I like that. I adore that team. And I want to see what they do with uh, something that is a little bit further removed from reality. Yep, I re I'm really looking forward to playing that game, too. We've yep. never really covered anything quite like that genre. Mm -hmm. um, and then for uh, the premium episode that month, we're going to be doing Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl. yeah. It's been requested for like the entire time the show has been on. Mm -hmm. I have wanted to play it uh, for a decade. Um, and mm -hmm. for the portion of that decade that we've been doing the show, I have put it off because we're going to do it for the show sometime. And here, eight years later, we're doing it. Finally happen. Yeah, <laughs> I've played it before. I'm really looking forward to it. I really like it. Um, it's the kind of thing. It's hostile and mm -hmm. you it makes sense to bounce off it, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, extremely interesting game. I've never played any of the sequels. You know, this is the point in the show where I say like, maybe I'll get ahead and like play one of the sequels too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have time to do that. Um, but I am looking forward to revisiting the original. Yeah. So that's uh March. Mm -hmm. Um, if you like this show, um, you can no longer do a theme month, but you can patronize us and dictate a game. Mm -hmm. Um, stalker was actually the one that the Michael, uh, dictated mm -hmm. for that. So when you uh, do those things, you can actually choose just a game. Um, you can, or you can't do a month now, but you can choose a game mm -hmm. uh, by becoming a patron. If you go to patreon.com slash duck TV, mm -hmm. um, that is a one-time uh, thing. So the idea is you patronize us at that level. If you want to continue to give us that amount of money per month, I'm not going to stop you, but you don't have to, right. you can do it once. We'll reach out to you and then you can drop your pledge down to what you feel is a reasonable yes. level for yeah. your budget. Yeah. Um, that is also the way that you get, uh, additional things like bonfire side chat, uh, the rekindled series of that, uh, or the full episodes of this show. When we describe uh, stalker as being premium, everybody's going to get the generalities and that's a real systems heavy game. So the, you know, there'll be plenty there mm -hmm. to, uh, for, for everybody, but to get the kind of beat by beat kind of second portion of the game, those are, that is available for patrons. Yep. And next month, Bioshock Infinite is yes. that episode you might be thinking wait you guys didn't do that we didn't mm -hmm. do it in january because we didn't want to spring it on anybody right um, we'd already announced those in case anyone was playing along etc um if we had done that uh this month it probably would have been pyre yeah or not pyre um sorry owl boy yes i got confused it, we'd probably, it probably would have been owl boy yeah um so uh but next month it's bioshock infinite yes so um 
and uh, to remark on the way the Patreon is going, it's incredibly heartening. Oh, yeah. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys very much. We're actually pretty close to the goal of doing a third live show mm-hmm. in the year. Um, so if you want to see us come to your zone, uh, that is a way to hopefully make it happen. Like there has to be a convention there mm-hmm. that makes sense. But if we're doing three of those, I think, you know, my goal is not to just do like we've kind of made a second home in Milwaukee. It mm-hmm. is really fun to do that con. <laughs> Um, I, that third one, I would really love to have be a rotating thing. Yes. Um, so like, we'd like to come back to Austin. People have asked us for that, mm-hmm. but like, why not Vancouver? Why not? I would love to go to the East coast. Like I would love that to be a rotating thing. Yes. And I think with that third one unlocked, like we will feel a little less gun shy about doing smaller things. Yes. Um, you know, so it will be purely as like to get out and get to different regions, you know? Uh, so yeah, we're mm-hmm. pretty, actually pretty close to that. Yeah. So uh, hit us up if you're if you're interested in that. Um, also, just by way of admin, like if it's not going to be in the dispatch episode, I never knew where it'd be. Somebody on Curious Cat asked me like whether we're okay with somebody patronizing us at ten dollars, getting the backlog of stuff, and then dropping down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is yes. Yeah, we 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 built so, that in. Yep, we recognize that. Like two things: like one, we can never police that, mm-hmm. but two, like you know, we want people to hear that stuff. We understand everyone's budget is difficult. Yeah. Or yours different rather, and sometimes people have budgetary concerns. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's what makes sense to you, that's okay. Yeah, uh, um, we we understand budgetary concerns. That's why we have a Patreon. <laughs> like, exactly, like we have budgets. Yeah. Um, if you uh, same thing, if you're a big watch out for Fireballs man and you hate this change, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple of people have said things about that. Like, not very many actually. The mm-hmm. the response has been extremely positive. Um, yeah. not just in terms of output, you know, output, um, uh, and don't, you know, and and patrons, but also just in terms of like support, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. If it's something where you just can't afford it and you feel like, oh, no, like my favorite show is being taken away. Um, one, you just got this show, um, which I think this episode that is like what? Two, uh, two, two, and, a half two, hours? two and change. Yeah. Yeah. Two and change, like pretty substantial, you know, added value, we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, um, there's nothing stopping you. So those backlogs are just going to be available. So there's nothing stopping you from putting a dollar aside a month in five months, uh, donating, you know, a $5 patron, downloading the last five months of WAF. Yeah. And then dropping your pledge down to whatever feels reasonable to you. Same with the bonfire side uh, chat. Wait a couple of yep. months, put in the five, get the others. Think of it like trade waiting for comics. That's actually a really good analogy, Cole. The, um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, you know, and like, obviously, you know, we price those tiers to where we think that what we provide on a weekly or a monthly basis is worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just our druthers, like, yeah, you know, support us at $10 because you get that fire hose. But it's not a transaction. Like you're not necessarily mm-hmm. buying the thing from us. Right. Uh, and then dropping down, like that is a way you can game the system. Mm-hmm. One, you, one person can game it, but we recognize we want to treat you as good faith and you're not trying to game the system. Yeah. You see this as something more than just transactional. It's just, this is the degree that you can support. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So we recognize like, obviously it is better for us if you're able to just kind of sup- get those episodes as they come out. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to, though, we understand and we're cool with it. You're not yeah, hurting yeah. our feelings. Yeah. It's something we accounted for and built in. It's just not. Yeah, it's yep. not. It don't feel like you're getting one over on us. Yes, it is. A-OK. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so this has been a long episode. Um, we will see you next week to talk about Super Mario Brothers 2s. <laughs> Super Mario yeah. Brothers 2. Yeah. Uh, de- developed by Liam Neeson's. Hey, we're doing a new thing at the end of these episodes. Uh, I know, VI Contact wrote in uh, during that and talked about their OC remix of a song from Final Fantasy X, and we're going to play it here. Um, so be on the lookout if you're a patron. Be on the lookout for when we put up our Q&A post. And uh, if you have some music 
that you've done that is game related or maybe even sometimes not game related, but probably game related. And uh, and we dig it. We will uh, highlight an episode. So uh, definitely check out, uh, you know, I E I N O that's E I N O uh, on OC remix and check out this awesome remix of the Lulu theme. <laughs> <laughs> 